I will read at the top of my lungs until I <laughs> ensure that we have a happy ending. And sometimes I'll skip to the end to make sure that I want to go through this emotional trauma because it has a happy ending. And if it doesn't have a happy ending, go fuck yourself. I, the first thing I do in any book is I read the last sentence. Oh, yeah. and I got a Without hard time fail. for reading the, pro- not reading the prologue. No, right. no, no. These are, these it's are different. These are categorically different things because I am still reading the information. You are skipping a full chapter. <laughs> Dude, I don't skip to the, uh, whatever. I prefer to be so But surprised. I still know. Yeah, very surprised because you miss a whole <laughs> chapter of information, Desiree. <laughs> and I have a great time doing it. <laughs> That's all that matters. Welcome to your safe space, the podcast your partner, friends, parents, whoever thinks is dirty. Don't have time to read books? Want to understand the TikToks? We got you, fam. We're the Spice Traders, and we deal in spicy books. My name's Katie, and I need it to make sense. I'm Des, and I would love to talk about feelings today. I'm Liz, and I'm hypercritical. As always, we start every episode with three things. The first is a generic trigger warning. You can find specific triggers for this book in our show notes, so please check those out. Also, we do use foul language and talk a lot about sex. If you have sensitivity to that, this isn't the podcast for you. Secondly, we talk about books. The whole book, nothing about the book, so help me goddess. If you plan to read this book and you don't want something spoiled, don't listen to this episode right now. Lastly, we acknowledge that a good book can hit you at the wrong time. The views expressed in our podcast are our opinions, and we absolutely do not want to diminish the work and the talent of the authors in our community. That said, we have some notes. Right. So Des, what are we talking about today? Today we're talking about Kingdom of Exiles by Maxim Martineau, published in June of 2019. It's the first in the trilogy, all of which have been released at this point. It's about 480 pages and a physical copy. Um, there are two different editions of the first book. Okay, so I was looking into this book because I was curious about the second book and what it was called. And when I was fact checking that all the books were out, I found that there are two editions of the first book, one that was specifically marketed to the young adult population and one that was mass marketed um, as an adult edition. And on Maxim Martineau's website, it says that you should start with the young adult version if you just love YA fantasy and if you want more of the steamier love story between our two characters to go with the adult mass market edition. Now, when we started this, we didn't know there were two editions and thankfully we read the adult one. The plot and the characters are all exactly the same. There's just a little bit more content for the romance. Um, The thing that really disappointed me, though, is that the next two books in the trilogy are only and firmly marketed as YA, and the author warns to expect less steam. So if you like the steamy romance, it's not there um, in the last two books. However, she does hint that there will be some bonus stuff, maybe offshoots. I don't know. Her website literally just says, Bonus stuff might be coming. What do you guys think about that? I think that's a little bit of a shame because I think that this author does write really good scenes and I enjoyed them. And, you know, I think this book kind of falls on the lot of story and then with some smut on the spectrum. And I like that. That's like the sweet spot. It has a good story. It has a good world building experience. I really wanted that to continue in the next two books. And I hope that she does eventually include that because I think it would detract from my enjoyment of the trilogy yeah her steam is really good and i I like the way that she writes that so i would love to see more of that in the future so now that we kind of know about the two different editions liz do you want to go ahead and kick us off yes so 
as we stated, this is Kingdom of Exiles. Um, the book starts with a really nice two-page map spread. And I've mentioned before that I love a good map. This map is actually pretty good. I think the spacing on it is accurate. The north-south south is correct, at least as far as it seems to be in the book, which I appreciate. Um, some other things that are interesting about this book is there is a bestiary at the end of the book. And there's also a slightly smaller bestiary on uh, Maxim Martin's website, which we'll talk a lot about beasts in this because Pokemon, Fantastic Beasts, whichever way you want to go. We got a lot of creatures in here. Also on her website, there's a playlist, which I think is fun. We've seen a couple authors do this now. Um, so I did want to shout out that there's a playlist there. Nice. What kind of music's on the playlist? I didn't see that at all. I don't remember any of the artists, but it's a lot of like kind of teen angsty kind of vibe so it still goes with that YA more feeling um gotcha but that unrequited love sort of vibe so we start this book um in this tavern called the Midnight Jester and we meet our main character whose name is Lena and we immediately get a little bit of background information from her that she um trades or sells her beasts and all the creatures in this book are um Continually just referred to as beasts as their cumulative term. So she's meeting with this man who she describes to be very businesslike, businessman. Um, and he wants a gis, which is a creature that grants a wish every six months, but it requires some kind of payment in turn. And we'll learn more about this creature later, but it, it seems kind of like a problematic creature, like the payment in return for a wish, maybe worse than not getting your wish. Um, yeah, and we're we're led to believe that there's kind of no rules when it comes to what you can wish for, mm-hmm. um, which seems wildly dangerous or like OP. <laughs> but we don't actually see a gist during this conversation. I pronounced it in my head a geese. Oh, I oscillated between the two because I hate both of them. Yeah, I, I also hated both of them. I had gis <laughs> and I didn't like it. I, I think I started with geese, and geese. then it sounded like geese, like, yeah. like quack. a goose, quack. so then I moved to geese. It's kind of that, like, gif or jif issue. No, I will um, die on that hill. That is not an issue. There is a right which answer. Side? There is a wrong answer. What's the right answer? It's gif. Thank you. Oh, thank God. I'm oh, so Jesus glad Christ. we don't thought, have to throw down. I thought we were going to have to end this podcast. <laughs> yes, and never speak again. No, it's Gift. I do want to shout out that there is a character named Des, granted with a Z and not an S, but I got really excited. Des is the bartender. I do actually spell my name with, with D-E-Z a Z or D E S. I've swapped between them pretty <gasps> randomly. Oh. So that's good to the know. main character is sleeping with me. I just wanted you guys to know. The main character is sleeping with Des. Oh. Um, this Des is <laughs> male, also. though, which mm. uh, until we get pronouns for des i thought des was a female because (laughs) hey des (laughs) and i was here for it i was like you go lena do whatever you want yeah get especially because i mean so that kind of opened the door to it because i also made that assumption before we get pronouns (laughs) but also this book has bisexuality in it oh (laughs) yeah it does clearly (laughs) which is pretty great so we do find out that lena is a charmer or what's known as a charmer so she is the one who can charm these beasts um, it is forbidden to buy or sell the beasts, but she's doing it anyway, which is why it's a black market vibe. There is the Charmer's Law, which 
says that if anyone mistreats a beast, that Lena can kill them. But I also had the question with her selling them, if like, because there's very strong bonds that form between the charmer and the beasts that they tame. But I'm wondering when you sell them, is she still like the owner? Because she charmed them. I don't know. We don't get an answer for it. So (laughs) we don't. You're right. (laughs) So moving on. We do learn that Lena is 29, but as she's a charmer, she can live for centuries. So her being 29 doesn't really mean much. We also learn that she is exiled from her people, which are the charmers. Um, We don't really know why yet, but she's definitely a loner and she is on a hunt to find a Mayad because that will prove her worth to her people. Now, I when she said this, that she was going to go to the Mayad, I thought it was an event for a long time. Yeah, it was not immediately obvious to me that it was a beast. Um, I thought that it was like a place. I didn't get the event feeling that you did, but I did. She talks about it like she has to go to it yeah and that that it's true she has to go and find it where it lives but like i thought it was like maya the city the town the island thing over there that i have to go to (laughs) i didn't have that problem because i have wants to train the maya which in my mind was like a creature but i think that came later like i think the first time it's said it's just like i have to go to i need to go to i have to get maya i'm just like oh what I was confused. You are correct, Des. I can't read. With with no information at all, my first thought when I realized that Amayad was a beast was that it was some sort of horse situation. And boy, was I wrong. Not a horse. <laughs> Not it's, a horse. I, that's interesting. And I'm excited to talk about what we think the Mayad looks like before we get there. Um, yeah. That'll hold off because that is a ways away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so she does mention that she needs, at part of taming the Mayad is she needs Blood from a murderer freely given. So she's in this um, black market tavern being like, cool, maybe I can get blood here. While she's doing this deal with this businessman, she feels like she's being watched, um, but can't pinpoint where it's coming from. Okay, we do learn that um, she has a beast with her that is camouflaged, whose name is Icky. Katie, would you like to tell us a little bit about Icky? Yeah, so I think the first thing is that I uh, heard his name is Ike, which I hate. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have Ilky. Where'd Ilky. you get an L? Ilky. I couldn't tell you, but I heard I, I like Ilky. Ilky better. I did too because it reminds me of like milky. a Selkie. Yeah. But, but it's not what it is. So, you know, do with so, that what you will. Icky, Ike. Let's go with Icky. Um, I didn't realize this until I was actually putting the like notes for the beasts together but the reason it, he's called icky is because he's something called an ixas um and so ixasses are kind of t- I, I guess they're tall but they're, they can be any size they're amorphous with see-through skin and they can adjust their body constitution color and shape to suit their master's needs part of what that means is that he can be invisible <laughs> to anybody and that's how he's standing guard for lena when she's in the tavern although point of clarification she is not actively looking for the blood of a murderer because she knows in the tavern it wouldn't be freely given Mm. she would have to barter for it okay and then it's not freely given because right you just said that so she very specifically says that one of the reasons that she's even considering selling this geese to this like dude businessman is because his motivations are very transparent like he wants 
money and riches and like status and that's it like he's not fundamentally evil she Mm -hmm. would never give somebody a geese if they were evil because one has been used on her before and that's really all we get do we get that already i think i missed that Um, i think i pulled that out later but that doesn't mean we did yeah Okay. Yeah, we learned that a geese has been used against Lena in some way before, and so that's why she's te- trepidatious and won't just sell it to anybody. Which makes sense, because since there's no limit to the wish you can make, it could cause mass destruction. Right. Not just for her personally. Um, so she leaves the tavern and is followed and attacked. Um, she thinks that her people have set... Um, have sent someone to find her because she is breaking the law and has already been exiled. But the person who is attacking her is a member of the, how did you say this word? It is C-R-U-O-R and I had no idea how to say that. I think I settled on Cruor because I hated like having to have my mind work around something like rural it's just not a word it's so difficult thank you from like harry potter the rowers the oars i don't think i like the letter r in words one r is enough r's okay so i have to share before she gets attacked um once her transaction is done, Des comes over and, like, tries to, like, convince her to stay. And they're like, yeah, you want to go have a quickie? And then that's when Ike, like, alerts Lena that she's actually being watched and there's a spy, like, in their midst. And so Des, like, Lena tells Des and Des turns around to the whole room and says, I just came up with a new special, folks. Cured pig with red flakes. And in Lena's internal monologue, she says, a signal only local outlaws would truly understand. Danger, potential spy. The meme I put is, sure, Jan. <laughs> I totally glossed over that because I hated that that was the code. <laughs> Unbelievable. Also, it's such a long fucking code. I think that's part of the, the thing that, about this book that bothers me still to this day. And I, this book was great. I had so much fun. I will definitely read at least the second one. But these people are supposed to be outlaws and like shady individuals and assassins and like have killed people and they it's very clear that like this author has no experience with anything like that anything dark i i had so we will the crur the crurr crurr are a guild of assassins as we will rapidly find out and they are all giant teddy bears like i, I do big giant teddy question. bears do you have a lot of experience with assassins and guilds of assassins yeah Slytherin. I feel like I have more asa- <laughs> more more cred- credentials to write that than she does because this is just like not not that maybe that's not it maybe dark and seedy people aren't as dark and seedy as you think they are they're just big teddy bears yeah I mean yeah I and their signals to the rest of them are just so painfully <laughs> Look, I'm obvious. not gonna I'm not gonna get credit there but I'm just saying you know maybe they like- new recipe folks <laughs> I and like he's just talking to Lena and suddenly we have a new special. <laughs> A new special. It could have been more subtle. I think it could have been it like really a sign or something. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why I did not put it in my notes because I was like, okay. Ugh. Yeah. There were a lot of cringe early. Mo- I, I don't, I know I was pulling your chain, but like there were a lot of moments <laughs> where I was like, you guys are supposed to be really badass and uh, that's not what I'm getting here. 
I'm not convinced. Not so. Convinced. Wait, but the guy that attacks her, did you? <laughs> did you guys pay attention to the description of him? Because he had quote a voluminous pompadour. <laughs> So I listen, I got stuck on what the fuck the crew were like. My note was they're zombies. Wait, they're alive. OK, no, they are zombies. <laughs> are they zombies? Like, <laughs> how did you? I, I understand what they are later. But when we first meet him with his voluminous pompadour, what how did you conceive what he is? I wrote the same thing several times. I was like, alive. No, not alive. Dead. Alive. Zom- what? Va- I don't understand. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, so I immediately intuited that he was some kind of reaper. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. That was obvious to me, but well, good for you. The rest We're of just going to be over here. <laughs> How by interesting. Our fires. How interesting. <laughs> we'll be over here thinking that they're zombies. <laughs> uh, that is funny. They though. kind I of mean, are. Like, yeah, they kind of are. Um, so, uh, he, she's attacked by the, by an assassin of the Kerr Guild. I'm gonna have to say that word so many times and I fucking hate it. Assassin. Assassin from the Kerr Guild. Um, and again, she thinks that the council, her charmer's council has sent, um, an assassin to kill her and she was already exiled, as I said. So we, at this point, we learn that she has a tattoo on her hand which is of a tree and the branches denote how long her beasts can be out of the beast realm so she can see how long icky has left to protect her um so there's an altercation she uses icky to attack um this assassin we don't know his name yet and form like thorns and pointy bits that hold him all over and demands that she be taken to the career um, and he just kind of does. <laughs> I don't understand why she does that at all. I don't either. She like she does this mental math in her head, and it seems like when these people get a contract, they're pretty like sticklery about it. Mm-hmm. And I just can't help but wonder if there isn't like a place that she could go to. Like it seems it, it could go wrong in so many different ways for you to go to the like reaper assassin clubhouse with one of them as a hostage like that seems like an ill-conceived plan to me yeah uh, yeah (laughs) like i want to say more about that but it just even when it happened i was like this seems not well thought out well yeah and to that point like i don't understand her her point of going anyway because she already suspects that the council has put this hit on her and like so she goes to confirm that, like, but you didn't need to confirm that. You're an outlaw. Like, you're already in exile. You're, ar- you know, you're breaking the law. Um, so I, that whole thing was super weird. Um, one thing I haven't mentioned, and it's at this point that we kind of shift, is that the chapters, they don't alternate, but chapters go between Lena's perspective and Nock's perspective. Um, so we meet Nock, and he is the leader of the guild of the Cure. Um, I think we're just going to call them the guild because it's easier to say and they are a guild of assassins. Thank you. Um, I love his name. I really Knock? love the name Knock. I think that's a really cool name. I liked it too. I liked it. I thought it was a great name. I love that this book had all the names I could pronounce with the exception of I, yeah. Career. <laughs> career. Some, some of, I struggled with some of the names. I'm not going to lie, but 
I wanted knock to be short for something. Like knock just like we learn. <laughs> damn it, Liz. <laughs> God damn it. Sure, fine. He, sure for nocturnal. That's fine. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Noculus. <laughs> the noctilus. <laughs> it would be neat. And it could still be short for something. I mean, we don't know. Yeah, because I mean, we learned that. Uh, what we, we learned that some that coast has. I read it as cost. Cost. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it, no, it doesn't. No more than coast. <laughs> I appreciate your um, agreement, though. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but, like, we learned later, I, I can't remember what his actual name is, but we learned that his name is actually longer than that. It yeah. is. And, and I, I like I think his it's long like, name. it's like Koska or something. Yeah. And I, it's, he, okay, so we'll get to the assassins, <laughs> but I love all of them, each and every one. Yeah. And, and Kost, 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 I just want to give him a big old hug. <laughs> I know, I know, me too. Um, he's a little type A baby, and I love him for it. Oh, he's such a type A baby. He's the only one in this entire book who acted in character. He was like, what the fuck is wrong with you guys? She is a, she is a mark. What are you doing? Yes, yeah. he is, yes. Everyone else is just like, but we love her immediately. But isn't she great? But isn't she great? I mean, just look at her. And so. And he's like, no, <laughs> she's the worst. <laughs> and so to the point, like, so he is initially attacked by Icky. It is cost that is um he's attacked. Like he really does not get any hand over Lena. Um brought to the guild and immediately Nock also attacks Lena, grabs her by the throat, um, threatens her, and they form a bargain where she will get him and his three besties, beasts. And they will not fulfill the hit on her. However, this is really slippery in how he does this bargain. So one of you want to explain where he gets a little little trickstery? I'd love to because I got real mad mad. I liked it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, of course you did, Slytherin. Um, <laughs> so like they, they make the agreement that Lena will go get these beasts in exchange for them not fulfilling the hit on her. And what he says to her is that, like, I promise that no one from my guild will fulfill the hit. Or none of my men will fulfill the hit. Mm -hmm. And what we've come to find out later is that what he means is, like, yeah, but I'm still going to. Like, I'm not one of my men. I'm still going to. And so, like, one of the things that was frustrating about that is, like, she navigates the deal, I would say, pretty well because she talks about wanting it in writing and, like, wanting to kind of, like iron out some of the details before they agree on it and so like he even Mm. makes a comment about how like oh she's good like she's she's making sure to check all of her boxes but she's not that good and it made me mad because i was like no i she was doing so well and then she just kind of didn't think about that specific aspect of it and i was disappointed in her for that reason and it made me mad this was one of those opportunities where i thought the author could have done herself a little bit more of a service by showing us that loophole rather than telling us because knock in his internal monologue comes right out and says it he's like that's what i said but this is like this is my loophole like i that's she's shit out of luck when like but then he also goes on to have a conversation with coast who's recovering and he like takes the contract from him mm-hmm. and they talk about how like he has to fulfill it or it's his life on the line and like you could have just left it at that and let the readers like into it that 
but this author very much so I came to realize that this book is like a cozy fantasy romance because the author doesn't want you to think about it too hard <laughs> I know and I <laughs> I don't even know if I would say that because like I think cozy cozy books can still make you have that thought process but yeah she does kind of like she's a little bit heavy-handed with the information and doesn't really want to leave anything to potential misunderstanding or misconstruing and I do think that um idea of this being marketed as YA kind of feeds into that too like even more so young adult, like I'm going to explain this all to you. Not that young adult readers can't intuit this because I think taking over the contract from Coast would have been clear enough. Um, But I do wonder if maybe that's part of it. Yeah. There's a couple of other things that I want to talk about here. The first one is just like an offhanded example of how these people are supposed to be assassins and they're just not. Because (laughs) Caleb... One of the one of um, Nock's like besties, he is the one that comes in and tells Nock that Coast has been taken hostage, and he's like coming in with somebody else, and he says, "Yes, she's held him hostage somehow. I can't see. There's so much blood. I'm like, bro, you kill people for a living. <laughs> that's that's fair. Also, the so much blood, like." Yes, he's being held by Icky and all of his spines, but like he's walking, like he's. He's standing. He's, he's fine. conscious. Right. Like, he's fine. Yeah. It just felt like very weak stomached. And I was like, you're oh, a But <laughs> <laughs> what we do learn about the guild is that they, to our um, brief conversation about zombies, um, they have all been raised from the dead. Um, they can only be raised once. If they are to die again, they are dead forever. Um, in this guild, they're raised and then they're trained to be assassins. But we do meet a couple of them that like are firmly not assassins. They um, cook or are clean because, or they try not to be. They try yeah. not. The impression to be. is, yeah, they still have to, yeah. but they like can get out of it by doing chores or something. Yeah, yeah, which I think is the the entire thing behind the guild. I had a few questions about like we get some history of like the first um, member and kind of how it started, but I, I don't understand why like they're destined to be assassins. And because no. they're like, they come from all walks of life. Like there's like farmers and <laughs> princes and like, <laughs> we'll come back to that. And there's just, I, I don't know. I had a lot of questions about why the guild is what it is. Yeah. And I think like that's, I think it's sort of set up in this book to be discussed later. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things I kept saying is you only raise the people you can't live without. Um, yeah. And and I thought that was like a really sweet thing, but then I do have questions about like how the cook got raised. Like, could you not live? Right. Like, I can't live without her bread. Therefore, she must become an assassin. Like, right? Because I... they're not like related or anything. <laughs> well, right. the cook has None a of them brother. Are. I mean, there's two twins. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like, some of them are, but who? Most of them are. Who chose who to raise? Right. Yeah. Um. And it seems like they're only assassins because, like, once you're a Reaper character, like, you can have control over shadows, yes. so it might be easy for them to do it. But, like, also you could, you you could go into security, right? Like, like there are other things you could do. Yeah, yeah. or just being a spy for like information and not like murdering people, <laughs> right? Um. Um. But so the other thing that I want to make sure that we talk about before we move on is that, um, knock enters into this deal with lena like pretty quickly 
yeah like, there's learns she's a charmer and is like hmm i could use this to my advantage i want some pets let's do this also what did you think about the fact that he wants pets for himself and his three best friends but not for everyone in the guild i thought that was a little bit like favoritism <laughs> and knock does this throughout the book right like he he's got his ride or dies and everybody else can get fucked uh, yeah. yes a hundred percent we do learn that knock is cursed um we learn that his curse is when he okay this was unclear to me throughout the entire book his curse has to do with if he has feelings for another person and expresses those feelings romantic or otherwise just like strong affinity to people friends family whatever they die they get sick and they die but i got very confused here and later as to whether that had that affection needed to be reciprocated or not because i felt like it kept going back and forth. was that confusing i think it does okay i was a little bit confused like what the line was between like reciprocated love because it's very clear to me that he's really close with his inner circle Mm -hmm. and cares for them love is something you don't have a whole lot of control over and like you spend so much time and you care about them so like where does that line end? I'm surprised that everybody around him isn't dead. Right. Because, like, he does care about them. And we do learn that there was a point where um, he got too close to, too close, too close to coast and coast began to get sick. So um, Nock pulled back his affection, kind of ghosted on him, um, really tried to hide everything. But that's where this curse gets confusing because those feelings don't go away. He's just not expressing them. Right. So it's like what actually triggers the curse? And we don't get an answer to that. Yeah. So the agreement part of the bargain is that Lena says, okay, cool. I'll get you your beasts. I have to go to or take a key and knock demands to go with her. So they're again, why again, why? And then it sets up this power struggle with this other member of the guild, Darian, who uh, literally doesn't matter. Um, but there is a bit of a power struggle where Darian wants to maybe take over the guild, not super pleased. And Nox is going to go away with his biffles to go get some pets. For it very much felt like they were going to go on spring break. Yeah. It just left everybody else at the clubhouse and they were like deuces very much um so lena is brought to her room for the night she got Knox's promise that no one was gonna mess with her um Ozius is one of his besties that we come to know who is very nice to her and she's very startled she's very surprised by this um because she has logic that if you're in a house of assassins they're not gonna be nice to you which is what Obviously. all of us thought yeah. Yes. But they're all really nice to her. <laughs> it's almost like she entered the X-Men Academy rather than a den of assassins. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, she does. Ozia says that she can clean up, go get some food uh, because very nice, very hospitable assassin house. Uh, she goes to the kitchen and knock is there making a sandwich. Because <laughs> I just getting some food. She thought it was really funny. They was just making a sandwich. And they enter this conversation. Um, we learn a little bit more about Lena's background, that she had a previous lover named Wynn, who was the reason she was exiled. Um, we don't get a lot of information about that yet, but we do kind of introduce to Wynn and 
calling back to using a gis or a geese against her. Historically, why she was exiled. Some fraudulent claims going on in there. One of the things I really liked about this was um, when she walks in, she finds him cutting bread and she finds him just so sexy and so dangerous. And I was like, ah, yes, I too find it attractive (laughs) when people are cutting me fresh bread. I mean, (laughs) I don't not. She also watches him read later and like, that's sexy to me. (laughs) It is. I just... (laughs) Nothing, nothing says dangerous like cutting bread. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I know. And making I know. a sandwich. Like he just has like meat and cheese. <laughs> what an allure. So that's, <laughs> this scene to me, like, okay, preface, really liked the book, really enjoyed it. But as soon as this scene came up, I was like, oh, okay, we're just, we're just here now. Mm-hmm. Because both of them are immediately enamored. And I'm like, okay, literally 10 minutes ago, you were trying to kill each other mm-hmm. in a negotiation round and now everything's just fine i yeah. i didn't understand that at all no because <laughs> he'll be nice to her one he's very hot and cold and we learn that this is his curse because he's trying not to show any affection for anyone but he is also immediately enamored of her like she's a puzzle and he wants to solve it we come back to that puzzle metaphor later um which is a really sad part which we will get to but she's her sandwich whatever they talk and um she leaves and she goes upstairs to go to bed and conjures another beast which is a beastie boy one of my faves okay (laughs) oh my gosh okay so this one is a gruber and its name is poof poof guys oh my gosh this was my favorite one it's an e class i i have all the the classes except for um the xs um but it's an e class e class thing and i don't think we've covered this before but the beasts Mm -hmm. go up in order of like toughness um ease of like being able to tame them and like rarity superpowers because each one of these have like a superpower and rarity and things like that yeah so like e is the lowest and then a class is like the highest and then there's also this different class that's legendary um so when i say e class (laughs) right like a gruber is like a pigeon like it's very easy to find (laughs) so but poof he's an e class He's the size of a kickball. He has circular pink eyes, round and fluffy with white fur that's softer than a rabbit's. He's got stubby arms and legs, and he's a mean cuddler. And when you cuddle him, he emits a mix of lavender and valerian to aid with sleep. And my note is, also it purrs and I want one. (laughs) I felt the same way. Also, I have rabbits, and they are very soft, so... Something to be softer than a rabbit that will ease me into sleep <sighs> and purr in my arms. Yes, please. <laughs> I'm picturing like, like chinchilla fur. Like, yes. Just yeah. Very, very soft. Yeah. Um, yeah. On the note of classes, that is part of their bargain where Nock wants B classes or higher. Which is basically like the level, the highest level that Lena can catch. She has never caught an A class before. Correct. And the um, Mayat is an A class, so it would be her first one that she's trying to catch. Um, so Lena falls asleep. We have a dream sequence. <sighs> I think this is me. I don't like dream sequences. I think maybe it's just because we've read a lot of dream sequences, <laughs> but I don't even remember what this dream sequence is about because I don't care. Well, I think it's, 
I, I think you hate dream sequences because they are not particularly relevant to the story. Yes. So she is essentially dreams that she's with Wynn and then he turns into bad. He's She's with good Wynn and then he turns into bad Wynn. Um, and then she runs into a pair of spectral black arms and icy eyes. And that's supposed to be knock, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she like kind of falls into darkness. Okay. And like that kind of follows the book a little bit, but it wasn't super relevant. No. And that. So Lena wakes up. She again goes to the kitchen as one does. And we meet Naomi who. Uh, uh, can I just pause? Really absolutely. Quick? Okay. So this is another thing that I didn't understand about their spring break vacation 2023 <laughs> because. Um, <laughs> They, so not only okay they get into this bargain fine Knox like or lena's like we should go tomorrow and Knox like mm-hmm. hold your house horses we're gonna wait a couple days and then we're gonna go we and gotta she's pack like, fine <laughs> but so they house her and feed her but then they also like give her clothes like she wakes up to new clothes on her bed and i'm like brother <laughs> You are supposed to be assassins. She is a mark. What the fuck are you doing? They truly cater to her. And we do find out that Coast is the one shopping for her and is like really diligent in his shopping, like buys her makeup. Right. And I'm like, Coast. Look, he's a twink who can't resist a shopping spree. I mean, God damn it. God damn it, Tess. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Well, she does make a point about being poor. She only has one pair of shoes, and yeah. it's new. Because yeah, there's that whole thing can't break them about, in. I think it's I think it's Oz. Oh, also, I I hear his name as Ozias. Ooh, I like that better than Ozias. <laughs> yeah, but so Ozias is like talking about like new shoes, and he's like, "Yeah, I'd like to get a couple pairs all at once and break them in all at once." And she's like, "Well, some of us don't have that luxury." <laughs> so we meet a couple other members of the guild. We meet Naomi, who. Uh, tries to avoid getting bounties by cooking, cleaning, and helping out. She's very sweet. We also meet Callum. Calum? How'd you read it? Callum. I heard it as Callum. Okay, me too. Callum. And he is the quintessential um, blonde flirt, um, immediately trying to get into Lena's pants. Um, I think he was kind of charming in like a douche canoe yeah. kind of way, but like I yeah. liked him. <laughs> I did too. Big douche vibes, but endearing very endearing douche vibes because he's not he's verbally pushy but like accepts denial like he's not creepy i don't know he's not right he's not an asshole he's not an asshole um knock continues to be incredibly hot and cold because he doesn't know how to be a human um and how to deal with his curse we we have learned that he was raised um from the dead 50 years ago and so he's been dealing with this curse for a while and still doesn't know how to talk to women. So that upsets me. Well, okay. So, and this wasn't immediately obvious to me, but I, when I first read this, I had the impression that his curse happened when he was raised, but he lived his entire life like this. So he actually has no emotional intelligence because he's deathly afraid of like falling in love with somebody and like killing them. So that was, he was cursed as a human. Yes. When he was young, but not as a child. There was not, as but a we child. don't, do we ever find out why he was cursed? No. Okay. Next book. Next book. We do 
learn that Nock used to be royal. They do make a point that they don't talk about their lives before they were raised. Um, and Nock is particularly um, sketchy about this. But cagey, one would say. He's very cagey about his previous life. But in his internal monologue, we do learn that he used to be royal or close to it at this point. We learn later that he is actually a prince. And that'll come up um, later. So they, she has a day just like bopping around the guild. Really not much happens. Um, so they go, they begin their journey to Ortega Key is their destination. They take a train um, and we meet a, okay, so there is the question of like, well, why can't we just shadow port? Like, why do we take a train? This is going to take days to get there. And we do learn there are limits to the shadow portaling. They can travel by shadow short distances and they can hide in shadows for a long time. Um, but they can only project their awareness like a hologram long distances, not their like physical body. I appreciated that because like one of the things we talk about a lot is like them not asking the questions we all want to know the answers to. And so I was really glad that they addressed mm-hmm. that at this point. So I was like, thank you, because that is the question I would have. Agreed. And it explains like why they're on a train. <laughs> um, they are traveling on the train. Um, they're kind of snoozing, bopping around, knock is snoozing. This is from his point of view. And he wakes up a little bit. And um, Lena and Ozias are chilling with this tiny little creature. They are acting like BFFs, which I love. They are immediately BFFs. I loved that. This is the scene that endears Oz to me Mm -hmm. because he's just like so with it. I I love it so much that I almost wish this was a Why Choose book. Yeah. Because Mm -hmm. all of the men are just so great. Right. If this was like a, a reverse harem situation, I wouldn't be mad. I wouldn't either, but okay. So the tiny monkey we got to talk about. So, um, uh, this is a an animal called a dosha, and her name is Tila. And so, doshas are no bigger than a teacup, so very very small. Um, they are described as being kind of monkey esque. They have a very long long tail. They are tawny colored and have three blue eyes, and their hands are far too large, <laughs> so they're like exaggerated. They are a D-class animal. They are immune to any poison, and they can test, like, your food for you in that case. Um, And their hands emit this kind of tacky slime, which is described as the world's strongest adhesive, which seems, like, kind of uh, inconvenient in some way. Right, because, like, and Tila is, like, climbing all over. Uh, Ozias, they're hanging out um, with this little monkey. Are they just covered in, like, sticky you can never get off? Or can... Tila control the ooze. I also I have, have to believe question. that she can control it. I very much hope so. <laughs> um, also, I we kind of skipped over it, but this is when they're on the platform. Um, Caleb is just acting like they're going on vacation. He's just he's like, spring break or twenty twenty three. Here we go. He like very much on all the women around like, yes. and he's like, oh, we're gonna be on the beach. There's so many women. Like he's. And Lena's like, you know, we're not going to get there tomorrow, right? And he's like, I can dream. <laughs> I was like, okay. He is such a little, like, frat boy. Yeah. <laughs> he really is. So they, Isaias and Lena are very much immediate besties, which I do love. Um, they arrive at their first stop um, as far as the train is going to take them. And they get these creatures called Zilas which are not beasts. Um, All the magic has been bred out of them. They were historically magical, and now they're just zebra-ish mounts that they can take. Um, 
they stay at an inn type vibe and there is the shared room trope, which I did get excited about until I realized that all five of them are in the room and not just Nock and Lena. That made me so uh, mad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're all in there. Also, it's like there's two sets of bunk beds and then just like a regular bed, which Lena claims. So this is what it's like, actually. If you've ever booked an Airbnb or a Verbo, there's always like the kids room that has like 47 bunk beds and then like also a sleeper couch. Like that's the vibe that I got from this room. Yeah. And yeah, very much a vacation rental. Yeah. No adult wants to sleep there, but here we are. Yeah. Which that that's fair. There is this line that Lena makes because she, of course, is immediately infatuated with Nock. He is described as being very handsome. Um, but she has a line that says, if he wasn't so damn menacing, he'd be attractive. And all I could think is, honey, I think that's what makes him attractive. Yeah. Agreed. Also, it's hard to read that from her perspective because we get his voice and he's not menacing. He is a little bebe. None of them are menacing. Like, I don't know. Even from Lena's perspective, they have done the, the first and only menacing thing they did was when they first met and, like, knocked, held her up by her throat, and that's it. No, none of them have given and her any it. reason to believe that they actually know how to kill somebody. Right. <laughs> so I kind of wish we had more, like, menace to feel this, um, but that's fine. Lena gets a little flirty with Nock, hits on him. He seems to miss it, doesn't respond. It's unclear if he misses it or ignores it. Um, but they do get into this, like, flirty Q&A um, kind of thing, getting to know each other. But it's pretty short-lived. Uh, Nock asks her about Hyreth, which is the land that all the charmers live in. And she immediately gets angry and storms to bed. We learn a little bit more about her backstory. We learn that her former lover Wynne used a geese to make the council of Hyreth, which he was on, believe that she committed his crimes of experimenting on beasts. So a little oh. bit more like background I on what specifically happened to her. Lena says this thing that she's like longing for his touch. And I'm like, homegirl. Why? You've known him for like four days. She's thirsty. She real thirsty. I'm not trying to like slut shame or anything like that. Like get no. you some. But I just don't under, I can't put myself in that position of having somebody like hand to my throat, like actively trying to kill me and being like, damn, I want to jump your, well, actually, now that I say that out loud. Yeah. I know. I don't know. That sounds kind of, oh, that sounds pretty like hot. hand feed her chocolates. Like. <laughs> what does it say about us that we would rather get choked than be hand fed chocolates? A lot. Okay, you know what, listeners? I take everything back. <laughs> I'm here for it. Yep. Also very thirsty for Nock. Yep. Nock reiterates that curiosity is his weakness, and that's why he is so interested in Lena, which, fine. Uh, charmers are rare, it seems like. They don't really leave their realm of Hyreth, so he's very interested in her as a charmer, but uh, this whole curiosity thing kind of bugs me. Because it's kind of like a one-line fixer for why he's so interested in her when I think they just want to bang. So I, I kind of had the opposite. I It was clear to me, and he says it outright a couple of times, like he's a puzzles person. And like I, I it gelled with like who he is as being a very sheltered human. 
that like he, <laughs> so he likes puzzles yeah like he he, comes he has across no friends this oddity and it is it she is brazen right like she walks into his clubhouse with the assassin that he sent to go kill her and is like hey can we not do this and so, that's like, true i do She's i badass i thought for a male lead it was very different for him for his like weakness to be curiosity because to a certain extent it's almost like he's more curious and figuring out who and what what she is and what motivates her than just like jumping her bones like that's definitely part of it but i feel like we read so many books where it's just like i'm gonna immediately go down on you and i don't know a thing about you right when you say it like that that is more that is more appealing also, being a puzzles person myself, I would be like, "You want to do a puzzle together, naked? You are, you are the <laughs> puzzle, strip puzzle. I am the puzzle. <laughs> Put you together, take you apart again. <laughs> You've got the missing piece. God, we are all I waggle so bad at pickup lines. So they continue on their way to Ortega Key on their zilas. I just like the word zila. They serve no purpose other than they're basically horses. Um, there is. This is a part that it turns out to be a plot hole later, and I wonder if you guys picked up on it. But um, Nock, in his perspective, is talking about who he really is, um, his life before he was resurrected. Um, for lack of a better word, that wasn't the word. He's not Jesus. Um, Raised. He could be. I don't know. Raised. 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 <laughs> Thank you. It is a little Jesus-y. Um, but that he is magically disguised and that um, a woman, Amira, is responsible for him having to hide his identity. But then in the, at the end of the book, he's recognized. So I'm like, are you disguised or not? Oh, I didn't catch that. Interesting. Is is he but magically disguised? So like magic delicious. is disguised? Or is he physically dis disguised by magic? I think he's, I read it like he was physically disguised by magic. Yeah. I mean, that makes the most sense. But then, like, he definitely is recognized at the end. Yeah. So that that was one of multiple things that were a bit confusing yeah. to me. But he is talking about how he does want the geese um, because he thinks that his wish could be to get rid of his curse. Um, and I had the note that that kind of comes full circle, that he wants a geese and that is the beast that Lena sold right at the beginning of the story. So she no longer has one in her possession that she could give him. Um, also, she does have to find beasts specifically to sell because they talk about once there's a connection between Charmer and Beast that they can't sever it because it would kill the beast. Well, ostensibly, that's why they have they decided to go on spring break 2023 because she didn't have any beasts readily available for them because she oh, was bound that makes, I, to all of them. Yes. The geese is also not a B-class creature. No. It is. C it class. is a C-class so creature. The prompt. And Lena brings that up repeatedly whenever Nock says he wants a geese. She says, well, you said B-class or above. It's a C-class creature. doesn't meet our agreement. Um, and he's just kind of like, well, I'll we can change the agreement. <laughs> Terms yeah. and conditions change. <laughs> That's such a badass line. Um, we get some more information about his curse, the reciprocation of affection, kind of, and that it leads to a painful death. Um, they come to stop for the night, and Caitlin proposes a duel with Lena to kind of try her hand or try his hand um, against her. And Nock does not think this is a good idea. He's like immediately against it. Lena is so game 
which I love. She is like, yeah, let's fucking do it. Yeah, I'll beat your ass. Let's go. Yeah. Um, So in this duel, they do decide to fight. Um, In this duel, Lena brings forward three beasts that she uses against Calum. So the first two are the same. And we learn um, from the bestiary, not from the prose, that um, Nagakori are serpentine beasts and they almost immediately mate for life. So she has two mated. I know, isn't that so sweet? She has two mated Nagakori. Nagakori, excuse me. Their names are Capro and Kinana. They are twin serpents. They have dragon-like heads and whiskers trailing the length of their scaly bodies. One is electric blue. That one's Kinana. Um, and I don't, I don't know the the genders, but Kinana's power is that it can shoot water from its mouth. And then Capro is white as snow, and its power is that it freezes the water that Kinana shoots out with his badass. Um, they mm-hmm. obviously have big fangs, but they also growl, which I thought was interesting. They very they, like float. Yeah, like it's kind of a better version of the the dog dragon in um, Neverending Story is what I pictured. I pictured um, what's his name from. Spirited away. Yes. Oh, same. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ha- yeah. Haku. Yeah. Haku. Haku. Yeah. Haku. Haku. That's um, what I pictured. Yeah. So then the, the scalier. The third one, um, I actually didn't make note of its name. I'm not sure if she ever said it. It. I don't think she says it. Yeah. So, um, but this beast is called an Ashura. It's child sized, which is terrifying. It sits cross-legged, <laughs> so it's kind of um, humanoid-esque, but it has six arms um, that have hands, and its like lower feet are hooved, because instead of a head like a human, it has a cow head. Um, and on that cow head, it has ten white eyes. And this beast's special power is that it can create a shield that basically has as many like fortifications as eyes so it can get hit in this case 10 times before the shield goes away and the beast is um too tired and returns to the the realm we do also learn in here that the beast's ability to stay out of the realm is tied to their own um like power and bond with the charmer but that also their power seems to pull directly from the charmer um, which that's not really explained in detail, but that working with these bees does beasts, not bees, um, does sap a lot of Lena's strength. Yeah, I got the impression we don't get this explicitly stated, but I did get the impression that the more bonded you are with your beasts, the easier it is for you to summon them and like work mm-hmm. with them and it's less of a drain on your power. Yeah, and the longer they can like exist. Right. Out. Um, so they have their duel. Um, Callum gets really into it. And we learn from Nox's perspective that Callum is kind of gets like bloodthirsty, bloodlusty, gets really into fighting, um, kind of to the point where he <clears throat> almost blacks out and is not aware of anything else. Um, Nock is very concerned that Callum is gonna kill Lena during this fight, which they're assassins, so like Yeah, bro. He's very concernicus. Um, so he's watching them. He's trying to get Callum's attention, um, saying his name. It's been shown before that Nock can get their attention 
pretty quickly, like saying their name quietly, and they kind of snap to attention as the leader. But Callum is lost in his bloodlust. Lena's holding her own, honestly. Like, she doesn't seem too worried. Yeah, she's fine. Um, she's totally fine. But Nock gets very concernicus, and he, his nails grow, and he slices his own hand so that he bleeds, and his blood forms a blade. And we find out through his monologue that this blade can be used to remove the free will from one of his brethren. Um, It's not something he's done before. He's seen it done and said that it was horrific. Which the fact that he goes from, hey, I've never done this before to I'm going to use this right now to protect this girl that I'm supposed to kill. I thought was kind of shocking. I also thought it was shocking and honestly kind of badass like i really like that oh, yeah. manifestation of his power um mm-hmm. but i like <laughs> caleb as much as i like him um kind of big toxic masculinity vibes because like he doesn't he's i i kind of see a difference between like bloodlust which is like you're in the fight and you're in the heat of the moment and you like don't like it's the act of fighting that you're wanting to get into mm-hmm. caleb very specifically can't lose <laughs> like mm, he gets, that's a good differentiation he gets real butthurt and like won't let it go <laughs> like even when he's bested at the end of this and like he literally is frozen in place because of um what kanana and uh capro have done <laughs> which again she was gonna win i yeah. know so and lena's like i mean <laughs> can you get out and he's like just give me a second and then <laughs> and he keeps like conjuring his shadow blades repeatedly <laughs> and the snakes just keep like refreezing him in place which i thought was so funny <laughs> it was so funny <laughs> but he's just like fine and then that's when like not gets his attention and he's it's just like cold water and he's like out of it as soon as he like sees the blade he's like oh shit right I don't know. Bad I thought that was happen. really funny, but I also was just like, oh, Caitlin, that's not that's not cute, girl. Yeah, I. but I do like I like that she was clearly going to win. Yeah, like um, easily. No problem. Easily. I think that's what I love the manifestation of his power, but I almost wish that that had been saved for like a time that she was truly in danger. Right. So the next day they continue along their path to Ortega Key. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Um, sorry, 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 sorry my favorite line is after this fight um because knock gets really butthurt and he like walks up to her and lena's like did i do good and he's just like no i almost killed one of my guys for you and i'm like oh yeah (laughs) calm down (laughs) but then like he gets a little bit warmer and they say something back and forth but knock says the thing to her and he says no matter how hard you try no matter how many battles you win you will never survive me and i was like girl yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) I oh, like I'm that. ready. Yeah. I I did like that. I highlighted that. I just didn't. I don't know why I forgot to put it in here. The next day, they continue to travel. And Lena and her new bestie, um, Ozias, are chatting because they're best friends. And Lena makes some comment about how Callum is always throwing himself at her and all these men, whatever. And Ozias says, oh, you don't have to worry about that from Coast because he's not interested in women. Which is fun. Mm-hmm. And I like that because we learned that about Coast. If you haven't gotten it already, Coast is in love with Nock. Also, not s- what we learned in this conversation allowed me to move past one of the two main problems that I had with this book, which is like they're immediately in love with each other. We learned that Lena and all charmers give off like pheromones or something. 
mm-hmm. they literally charm people. And so she's having this really endearing conversation with Oz because Oz is like, yeah, usually I'm not good with people and especially women, but like, especially I women. feel fine with you. And she's like, oh, yeah, that's the pheromones, bud. Sorry. <laughs> like, you're not getting better at this. But I was um, like, yeah, oh, it's... that's why people are charmed by her. Literally, because she's like. I juicing am lofty. She's <laughs> yeah. just like the Pokemon. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought that was interesting, too. And she describes it as an aroma. Which is interesting because Nock always says that she smells like is it lilac lavender and vanilla. lilac yeah. and vanilla. So I'm like, is that the is that the smell? I think <laughs> like, it are must those be. your pheromone smells? And I think like um, so I thought it was interesting that the author this was one of those things that I'm not sure the author meant to do, but it was a very show rather than tell thing because later when they go to the beast realm the beast realm smells like lilac and vanilla. And so it's almost like she admits this because she's got like, she is a part of the beast realm. And so it's something that both humans and beasts are attracted to. And it's like, Hey, I have the key to paradise. Why don't you come with me? And I thought that was really subtle and well done. Okay. Hades. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yes. No, that was really well done. I love that connection. We do get more explanation as to why people are drawn to Lena, which does help and make a lot more sense. Um, they are moving along and Lena catches sight of this bird creature called a femzy. Birds are real. Which I like that word. Birds are real. They're just a government no. conspiracy. Which, to be fair, this bird is spying on her and transmits images to its charmer owner, um, which is likely Wynn. She assumes that it's Wynn mm-hmm. watching her or whoever on the council put the hit on her, which, again, she is Wynn. Um, she doesn't so I, I thought this was well done where she didn't expressly she couldn't confirm that it was tame she was asking mm-hmm. it to blink because apparently the eyelids changed colors yes and I just I really love the detail that the author put into the animals like it is so real and immersive like as yes. little description as we get for like the yeah, world itself the beasts allowed it to be a real place for me like so I well just done. I'm in I'm so, so well bubbled done. up for this and the there's so many so of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and I just, I love the diversity of them, the creativity behind them, the just quantity of them. Because if you're going to sell me on a beast book, I need, I need a lot of beasts. Well, and, and I we love. Get that. She, she delivers. We, we are about to go into a taming, the first taming. And I, the each and every single one of the taming scenes that we get is just so unique and. Yes. Well thought out and. I couldn't get enough. Like, I don't, at this point, I don't even care if there's spice in the next two books. Like, I would read it for that. No, I want to read them just because. Same. I definitely I mean, want to read the next books. Yeah. And and I do, I was disappointed to read that they are marketed YA, but I'd rather know that now going into it than to be disappointed that there's no spice. Right. So it's not going to stop me from reading it. And I'm glad that I found that information. So we have this Femzy bird. We get a little bit more information about when. Um, that something changed that when they originally were together, Wynn was very nice. Um, they had a good relationship and then he goes away somewhere, comes back and is a lot more aggressive and darker. Um, we don't really get more information on like what changed or why. What did you guys think about that? I thought it was very, um, well, I I got the impression I'll say that he must have, had a formative experience like on that trip or Mm -hmm. 
become tainted in some way. So like possessed or poisoned or Ooh, possessed something um, mm-hmm. like that under put under a spell of some kind. Um, because it's it's kind of like when you read about serial killers who are like fine and then they get a head injury and they're just different. That's the same impression that I got. Yes. I also got yes. it from like a like an abuse standpoint too. Like sometimes somebody's fine until you realize they're not. And so like mm-hmm. part of me almost mm-hmm. wondered mm-hmm. if maybe that was the case. Like maybe he was problematic the whole time and she hadn't realized it. Maybe him going away and him coming back was like the realization that she needed to realize that that was not great. But it also could have been something less sinister than that. I mean, it's hard to say less sinister because like whatever it is, is bad. Um, something happened right i really like that interpretation that you have i like that too because she also says i don't know if it's now or later but it's not really material when it happens but she says that she was with win for eight years and Mm -hmm. so that put that means that she met him when she was very young and the people that i dated when i was that young were not nice humans and i did not know that because i was young and stupid and And you have nothing else to compare them to right exactly yeah, especially her because we learned that she basically grew up without support because her parents died and then her guardians died and things like that. So yeah, I yeah, she that. really just had win. Yeah, I love that interpretation. Um, so as they're moving, she spots a beast that she attempts to tame. Um, Katie, you want to tell us about the beast before we get into the taming? Yes. Yeah, so this is a poi. Um, tastes P-O-I. like the color gray. Tastes like the color gray. Um, so poise are B-class animals. They're described as being fox-like with big ears and a big purple orb on their forehead that clouds over whenever they are seeing the future. So their special power is that they can see the future two minutes in advance. No more, no less. They've got big brown eyes and they've got some special powers that I will uh, refrain from talking about until we get past the taming. So let's take it away. Yes. So, um, Lena spots this poi and tells everyone to halt and to kind of wait so that she can go and approach it. But as she had the battle with um, Callum the night before, she does state that she is feeling run down. Um, her powers have been run out. So she tries to sneak up on the poi as it can see two minutes into the future. She's trying to get into this gray area where it doesn't see her coming because they're apparently pretty skittish. My question um, is, is it actually the fight with Callum or is it because she's starting to have feelings for Nock? So that is such a great point. I, okay. So we will get, yeah, which I think is a good point. And we're going to come back to that because I also have thoughts. Um, Up to this point, I, uh, until it's explicitly stated later, I never made the connection (laughs) that she was getting sick. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. I just, Honestly, I was I was functioning under the fact that she was somehow immune from his curse and that's how it was going to work out, which is really dumb in retrospect because it is very clear that she is sick. She talks about having dark circles under her eyes, which Nock brings up multiple times as the first sign. She puts makeup on them and I just like missed all of that. <laughs> the chapped lips, the fatigue. I, but yeah, so I, I from my perspective, <laughs> I... I just didn't see any of that till later. And then I was like, oh, I'm really dumb. <laughs> it's like learning about the, the prologue as you're going along. Yeah. I learned along with her. I exactly. was on this and journey. What a great journey. What a great How journey. Interesting. 
How interesting. So I will tell you the moment that I realized that, and it is the moment that um, Knock realizes it. (laughs) (laughs) Which we're not there yet. So she's tired. She's sick. Whether it's from the curse or the fight, you can interpret. If you're smarter than me, it's probably the curse. I think it's Um, both. It's probably both because there is some equivalent to power and using whatever. So she's tired. Um, The poi catches her. And bites her. Um, she passes out because the poi's bite is very venomous. And uh, she passes out. She is carried to bed by Nock. He holds her hand. It's a very tender moment, even though um, she's poisoned. <laughs> um, weakened. Very, very weakened. Um so the next whenever she wakes up I don't recall if it's the next day or just a bit later but she she comes to and she says that they have to go and find the poi not only because it is the beast that she determines for coast but also that she is essentially going to die if she doesn't find the poi because only the poi's saliva can heal her from the um from its own venom um so she finds the poi, sneaks up on it, actually tames it and offers it to Coast, who accepts it. Um, and I just two things on this. I really love how much love we see from Lena. So when she tames a creature, she glows this rosewood color and emits this like calming, loving presence to the creature to show like I'm safe I love you we can be a pair um and the whole all the creatures as Katie said have different taming methods but this consistency of glowing this rosewood color and emitting this like peace and love is consistent and I really like that in the idea of taming a creature um she's very passionate that her creatures or all the creatures are taken care of and it's as we move forward, this is just the first taming, um, but Coast does accept the poi. And I do think the thought that she puts in behind what creature for which assassin is really interesting. Um, she says that the poi would be perfect for Coast because he's a control freak. So being able to see two minutes in the future would be ideal for him. Um, so I the emitting light thing is... She's described as being like glorious and the effect that she has on the beasts of just this calming, like overwhelming sense of, well, it's described as euphoria. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, and is, the this humans could feel it too. Right. The humans can feel it because the, the menses are watching her tame this poi. The menses. <laughs> and Coast says, <laughs> I don't know if anybody else is feeling it, but I'm feeling euphoric. This is wild. <laughs> forgot about that because he hates her he hates her so much he's like this is great i know and then like i just uh i i this is why i love all of these characters so much because coast does not want to like this this creature he's like you don't know anything about me we haven't even talked about it why would you pick this one and then he meets this boy and he's like i accept this creature (laughs) and And their little relationship I know. He's like, I've never loved anything more than this thing. Like, almost immediately thereafter. 
I know. And so the poi that he bonds with, his name is Felix. And I just, oh, I'm so about these creatures. That was another one of my favorite parts. Um, So when a creature is tamed, Lena takes it to the beast realm. And um, there is a key tree that gives a key, which we see later. Um, And then that key she gives to Coast so he can use it to call his beast. So he basically just like holds out the key, says the beast name, and it comes. Um, But so she comes back from the beast realm and kind of tells Coast like, okay, you need to spend time with it to establish this bond, blah, blah, blah. Also, it doesn't like the name you chose, so pick a different one. I love it so much. And that just spend, that sends Coast into just like this tailspin of what was the name I was going to pick? What if he doesn't like it? <laughs> it's like mind warfare. Like um, the, the couple of other things that I want to make sure we cover is that we get a little bit of Nox perspective because when she passes out and she's sick, like he's very Concernicus again. And we hear, or we learn a couple of things. One, he's hearing wedding bells because he's like, is there a future where we can be more than just this? But No, you have to kill her, bitch. I know. Come on. I was like, what? Let's get that done. But then we learn that he's had several lovers who have died as well as others that he's almost killed. And Coast was one of them, which I think we mentioned before. But this is when we learned that explicitly. And my thought Mm -hmm. was, I wonder if that was platonic or not, because very specifically, both of his lovers in the past that he killed, one was Amira, female, and one was Bowen, male. And mm-hmm. I, in my notes, I was like, we got ourselves a bisexual lead, baby, <laughs> which I just love. In this curse, as far as it being romantic or platonic, I still think is confusing because he talks about there being a time of the plague or, yes, the plague. And he was showing that he cared, like or trying to help people. Um ostensibly showing his care for people because again he's royalty um and that they were all dropping like flies because of his plague he's a plague right but he thought but he loved them but not i would imagine not romantically so maybe he's into like the the multiple partner orgy situation and he just wanted to have maybe subjects (laughs) so uh, my note was about coast i wonder if that was platonic or not for Coast, we know it wasn't, but for um, Correct. Nock, oh, he's very explicit later in the book that like he never thought of Nock that way, and mm-hmm. he just cared just about him besties. as a brother. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it can be both, which sucks. Yeah, <laughs> that sucks because like you would both be dead because I love you so much. Yeah, yeah. no, we. But all I be still dead. don't understand yeah. the reciprocation part. Yeah, I don't either. Um, again, we see how into lena knock is like just immediately wedding bells we he loves her um the person who put the hit on lena wants to meet with knock because they're taking too long i.e not even trying spring break 2023 at ortega key um man i kind of want like one of those obnoxious spring break shirts that say like ortega key 2023 yeah can we please (laughs) can we that would be great merch uh so knock projects his shadow self again they can't travel long distances but they can project their um appearance and their essence Essence, consciousness yeah so he goes and meets with what who we find out is win who is not the woman he originally met with about this hit but that woman is too busy to be bothered um and crucially win did not put the bounty on no 
but he does work with this woman who did. And is aware that the bounty is there and fine with it. Yeah. Um, but when it talks about like how, how long is this going to take? And my note is vague for myself. Does he share that she tried to tame a human or does she share that? No, Wynn says that to Wynn says that. Okay. That's Wynn my is thought. like, she's dangerous. You should know that she tried to tame humans before. Like, it would be very unfortunate if you didn't do this bounty. You know, something might happen to your friends. If you don't do it, I'm going to do it. Get the job done. Thank you very much. Um, definitely threatens his friends. Uh, pretty hardcore. Which like, would be knock. The- that would be the moment for me. I'd be like, oh, you want to threaten my friends? You're going down. I also had the question that, because Nock kind of brings it up in his inner monologue, that he has to kill Lena or he himself is going to die because that's how the bounty agreements work. Mm-hmm. But I had the question of what's the timeline because he doesn't seem very rushed. He's pretty nonchalant. Like, yeah, I, one of us is going to die eventually. That, Seems that very part, loosey-goosey. I would like more information yes. about it because I'm like, is it... You better do it sometime in your lifetime, or is it like you better do so, it in two months? Like what? That's what I was wondering. Anyway, they have a night out. Um, she goes to a bar and she finds um Azias there. At some point up to this part, she has given him the nickname Oz, and I don't remember when that happens, but the conversation is really cute because she just kind of calls him Oz in conversation, and he's like Oz, and she's like, Yeah, can I call you that? And he's like. I guess. <laughs> okay. Uh, so Callum and Oz went out to this bar. Callum immediately ditched Oz for like this table of women. And Oz needs love. He would love to find He's a big a old girl. teddy bear. He's a big old teddy bear, but he doesn't know how to talk to girls. Um, So Lena helps him a little bit. Um, This woman comes over and Lena starts to help them. Oz doesn't know how to talk to women at all. So anytime Lena tries to throw the conversation to him, he does nothing. Uh, so she just leaves. <laughs> and so he's forced to speak to this woman. And things seem to be going okay. We don't really find out. but Also, I think they bond over like cooking or something like that. I think they do bond over cooking. It's something like that. Which wholesome. is so wholesome. But crucially, the, the woman's <laughs> name is Corinne. She seems yes. lovely. But she and... She and her father have a ferry service that go to some island, which is where Lena wants to go to get the Mayad. We're still in the Mayad thing. We're still um, in the Mayad, which I have forgotten about up right. till this point. She meets Corinne. Girl, same. Anyway. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, Lena leaves, runs into Nock. They are on Artiga Key. Um, if you didn't get the allusion to Keys earlier, this is a beach town. So they take a walk along the beach. He is real flirty and not trying hard to stay away from her like at all like his internal monologue is like i'm gonna stay away and then he just doesn't he's like great um so i had this really callous note that said he could just kill her with his love and fulfill the oath (laughs) i thought about that multiple times where i was just like at some point she could just die from loving him and like he would never have to be the bad guy (laughs) But he's still kind of the bad guy. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, because he's still like she would never. They're dared. No, murder. Um, but this walk on the beach is quite nice. Very quite nice. Sultry. Yeah. Yes. Do either of you want to give some more details on this walk on the beach? I don't think I actually have any from my notes. I <laughs> That's I fine. really 
when I really enjoy a scene, I forget to take notes because I'm I'm busy living in it. Girl, same. I, my memory is that they just get very close and they're almost kissing, and then yes, Knock kind of remembers himself and like immediately goes frigid and is just like girl bye, and then leaves her high and yes. dry. So she in this conversation, she's real thirsty. Um, they're walking down the beach and there's this couple just like doing it banging. on the beach. Oh, I forgot about they're that. banging oh, yeah. on the beach. Yeah. And so she, they're t- he gives her some like compliment and she says like, there's other things I can do. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, looking at the couple banging. Um, and they have this like very uh, steamy conversation, like, like glances and like brief touches. They get very close to kissing and yeah, he immediately shuts down and from Lena's perspective it is like a frigid shower yeah like we were everything was great and now you're just gonna like peace out um very sudden which is upsetting because it was also kind of like cold water dumped on my head because I was quite excited same and it's it's difficult so okay I I have said before that this book has like cozy vibes because it doesn't want the reader to be like in the dark at all but mm-hmm. it is kind of hard to remember in scenes like this that Lena has no idea why he's being such an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Right. And her inner monologue reflects that where she's like, what the fuck? Like, why is he just hot and cold? I don't understand. And like, I know we've read a lot of books where like there's a lot of hot and coldness just from like a writing perspective, but it quite literally like his dialogue goes from being like, oh, yeah. To, oh, my God. Like. <laughs> Like it within the same sentence. Yeah. Oh my god. I it I wonder how this story would have come across if we didn't know about his curse until he wishes from the gis. Yeah. I I mean it, I mean I I wonder that about a lot of things like the wishing from the gis, the um the whole bounty thing. Like, I think it would have been a, a very different experience. Yeah. I mean, but that that kind of gave me a lot less anxiety reading the book because, like, I didn't go on those emotional journeys with her, which was nice. So we continue along our journey, bopping around Ortega Key. Um, He, Knox still wants the Gis. And there is this, um, at least my understanding is that the Gis is, the cost for the wish is going to almost nullify the wish itself. Um, She says something to to Callum and I don't know if it's here or previously but where he's like oh could a gist get me all the ladies and she's like yeah but the cost could be losing your dick right yeah <laughs> um we meet another creature a very scary creature yeah they're they're not actually I don't understand what they're doing but they're just on the beach for some they're reason. just like on the beach I don't know what they're doing either that's why I was like they're bopping around <laughs> they're on the beach all together they're I guess having a beach day because spring break 2023 or take a key <laughs> and Lena and Nock are not speaking not spring break 2023 for rigid. we're fighting they're but just we on meet, the beach we meet the scorpex and a scorpex is a scorpion-esque creature it hides in sand it has four legs um hooked fingers on the end of those legs and a worm-like body that's plated with thick orange scales and slick with slimy mucus it has three eyes on either side of its large head and it's got um these very big mandibles that kind of click together um and it smells like pincers it smells like rotting flesh ew the scorpex um, attacks them 
and Lena. It's super effective. It's super effective. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Attacks them and Lena accidentally tames it. Wait, 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 wait. She immediately uh, knows that it's a tamed pet or a tamed beast. It's a tamed pet that is wins. Yes. Yes. She immediately knows it is already a tamed beast and she is kind of like, well, we're fucked. But they all kind of fight it together. They all kind of fight it together. Um, and she tames it. Yeah. Which isn't a thing that should be able to happen. Once a beast is connected to a charmer, to sever that connection would mean for one of them to die, and that doesn't happen. She just takes over the Scorpex. And so there's kind of this, Lena has this understanding or assumption that the Scorpex allows itself to be tamed by her because it doesn't want to be doing what its master is telling it to do i.e. attacking Lena and her friends. Um, Because even though it is a disgusting creature, it's not made to kill things or kill people or it's not supposed to, Um, which I thought was really interesting. I This whole thing kind of broke my heart like this and then how the Scorpex acts directly after it. I'm just like, you're gross and you smell like rotting flesh, but give me, come here, give me a hug, baby, come here. It's okay. (laughs) She determines that she needs to bring the Scorpex to the beast realm. And I had a note that says, I really want to see what this realm looks like. And then she immediately offers to show it to us, which is great. And by show it to us, I mean, she's going to go and she invites Nock. Well, so I think one of, I forget who, it's it's not immortal at all, but one of the other uh, BFFs gets injured, and so I think they're it's like, Callum. "Yeah," and and so they're like, "Oh, we should go back and get some like, we should tend to this wound. He's he's not gonna die or anything, but <laughs> he's so fine." <laughs> the three of them fuck off, and um, Lena's like, "Oh, I have to go make sure he's cool in the beast realm." And Nock's like, "I'll wait here for you, right here. I will stand right here and not move." <laughs> and <laughs> Lena's like, "That's weird. Do you just want to come with me?" <laughs> also wonder if you enter okay the beast realm is also continually explained as like when she conjures a creature you can hear like a giant door opening i um, love that i love that but you never see it but you can hear this door opening do you guys want like a, a a core memory with regards to that noise yes do you guys remember aeol instant messenger <laughs> yes yes or go offline <laughs> you just unlocked a core memory for me <laughs> Oh my god, me too. That's what oh I was my picturing. god. The door. <gasps> so they go into the beast realm, and this is where we get the most description of setting. Um, up to this point, we really don't get a lot of description of setting at all. But the beast realm is this like glorious paradise. Um, it seems to be. I don't, I mean, it's probably not infinite, but it's very large. And we do get the information that wherever Lena enters the beast realm, her beasts can sense that she's there and will like come and come and visit her, come and see her. Um, but that all the beasts share the same realm. So Wind's beasts are in the same realm, but because it's so large, they are unlikely to cross paths, um, which I thought was interesting because it, seems like you could just go like kill other people's beasts well and i think that so she describes the beast realm as providing what is required it's almost like the room of requirement in that way yes and so i think that it could be actually potentially limitless right so i think that 
it this is just my impression i am basing this off of five things that she said but like it strikes me that if somebody went into the beast realm with the intention to kill another beast they wouldn't be able to find them because Mm. the beast realm wouldn't let them but like really interesting she says if there's a beast that needs something that it doesn't have that thing will appear like if it's Mm -hmm. you know a pond or like a glacier or whatever like the beast realm will just make that appear for that one beast which is so cool the reason that that conversation comes up is because Doc Doc looks down and he sees water and he's like what beast needs this and she's like oh it's like a little pond right and I'm like they need water to live you asshole (laughs) that's kind of what Lena says she's like well they all need to drink (laughs) so we do get information about how the realm provides for the beasts which is it just sounds so pretty and peaceful um so they sit by this pond because all living things need water knock cool douche. and douche and her beasts just like flock to her and they have like a cuddle puddle which makes me really happy can i join please yeah. yes it seems like whenever she arrives there all of her beasts just like want to be near her and in her presence so they all just like flock around her and she's just like giving them all the love while Nock is sitting there like just an observer confused and in awe of like how beautiful she is showing all the love to all the creatures and he can't have that love he does meet a a guess um lena's personal guess that she does not use that she does not use she's never made a wish on a guess before no but this um, guess's name is Fable, and she's described as being very small. She kind of walks through different blades of grass. That's how small she is. Um, like a little fairy. Little humanoid fairy-looking thing. She's in a leaf dress with pointed ears and mossy hair. Uh, Dagger-sharp teeth, which is terrifying. And then she's got this little, like, trail of smoke instead of legs. Which is very cute really cute i am not a fan i saw a picture on her website of it and i am afraid Uh, so the picture on the website is not what i pictured fable does have the ability to speak into Nox's head and says like i can see what you want and like i could give that to you um it, it fable seems a little malicious to me a little bit a little bit um, even to the point of saying like, oh, well, maybe Lena will like make a trade. Maybe she'll give me up, which we know is not how the beast connections work. Um, but Fable seems like way too interested in making this deal with Nock. It made me wonder whether Gisses were, sorry, Gisses, made me wonder whether Gisses were a different type of beast because they are by far one of the most sentient ones. There is more of an honest conversation in the beast realm between Nock and Lena. Um, She shares a lot more about Wynn and um, that they've been, that they were together for a long time. They loved each other for six years. And then she found a dying creature in his basement. Um, And it was a creature that no charmer had ever successfully tamed before and one that no one's supposed to tame um if you haven't picked up on it it's a human um charmers are not supposed to tame humans it's 
illegal ex- experimentation and heavily frowned upon. Um, but Lena, of course, freaked out and said, like, this is not okay. And when used a beast to convince the council that it was her, used a gis specifically to convince the council that she was the one trying to tame humans. Um, and that is why she was exiled from Hyreth and from the charm, which is rough. Yeah, is a bummer. Um, so she, the whole point of getting the Mayad is to clear her name. And it, it's unclear to me if she wants to go home or if she just wants to clear her name. Yeah, I think f- I always read it as she wanted to clear her name because she's been accused of doing something that she obviously didn't do but it was unclear to me until we get there how taming a specific beast would do that i do also know that she is so poor because part of being exiled was that her name was like blacklisted so she can't get appropriate work which is why she's had to default to selling beasts which is also illegal right so it seems like there is a certain amount of time that she can stay in the realm um which was interesting. I don't know. But they leave the realm and she passes out immediately. Well, so they get pulled from the realm because she like has overexerted herself. Oh, and has that's out it. Of stamina, essentially. And they plummet to the sand. So like it's written like she just kind of loses track of time and then they're about to leave and she just kind of stumbles and then like passes out. And then they're like forced back into the real world and they plummet to into one of the sand dunes essentially <laughs> they do it's like the the door is up here and they just <laughs> poink right <laughs> it's like rough landing man yeah i know for real knock takes her to her room and stays there and cuddles her while she's unconscious and this is where i was like i wonder if his curse is affecting her because it seems like she has this um she's constantly saying things in her internal monologue that like oh, I should have known that I was going to be tired because of X, Y, Z thing. Like, I must have overexerted myself. But it's like it's new to her and she hasn't thought about it. And I'm like, either she has not a good understanding of her own strength or there's something else going on here. Yeah. I still didn't see it coming. (laughs) (laughs) You sweet summer child. Um, In Nock's internal monologue, he talks about how there is a different way out of the assassin's oath. And... Kind of says he's just going to, like, browbeat his brothers into agreeing with him. Um, but the other way out of the oath is to kill the person who set the bounty. So whoever this mysterious woman is, because, again, it's not when, even though he's kind of Part in this, of like, yeah, negotiation. Um, if you kill the person who set the bounty, the oath goes away. So Nox's like, cool, I'm going to talk to my bros about that. Uh, and that's what we're going to do. The next day... Lena sees um, Callum giving food to hungry children, which is the first time we kind of see humanity out of Callum. That's not, I just. A fuck boy. Yeah, he's he's not a fuck boy. He likes to feed the children. So Lena goes out to Callum and is like, hey, I know what creature is for you. Come with me. We're going to go get it. And Callum's like, no, my bros. And Lena's like, no, it'll be fine. And he agrees. So (laughs) they go alone. Um. And find a beast called an Efrit. An Efrit is described as being mint green with a falcon head, pale pink eyes, pointed ears, 
A small dog body with thin feathered tail and talons and wings. Um, I'm going to wait on its special skill until after we get past. Did you catch the banter before they go into taming the <clears throat> effort? No. Okay. So before we go into the taming, I want to bring this up because it's such good banter. And this is why I'm, I just would really not be opposed to like a why choose situation with all of these humans. Because Lena says to Calum, get behind me. And he says back to her, I think I've been waiting my entire life to hear you say that to me, Lena. <laughs> and I was just like, girl, same. <laughs> it was, I yes. Okay, I didn't note that, but it was so good. All of his one-liners are so just good. Um. I'm also going to be completely honest right here. I don't remember how this taming goes. So um, let me jump in. The The effort when they go, um, they, they only go by themselves, but they have to like go shopping beforehand. And the reason that they have to go shopping becomes apparent immediately because what they do is essentially a, prepare a picnic or an offering table full of like cheese and fruit and wine and bread and vegetables and like a cornucopia of plenty, essentially. If anyone's curious, and- this is how you would tame me. <laughs> <laughs> you are an effort. Noted. <laughs> effort. Um, but, and then, so once that is there, they wait, mm. and then the effort comes, like, streaming down from the sky, is interested in the things, starts eating some of the things that are there. Um, and the reason that Lena told Caleb to get behind her was that she's going to lull it and want to make it be tamed but efforts make an instant connection or an instant bond as soon as they're tamed and so she can get it to a point where it wants to be tamed but he has to essentially like yeet her out of (laughs) the situation and be the one that like touches the efforts head so that he bonds with it rather than her and that's what happens so they successfully do that and then the effort is his and he names her effie which isn't particularly imaginative, but I like it all the same. I also feel like it is on brand for um, Caleb, though, to like not have a particularly imaginative. I name. know. He's such a big, stupid idiot. But so beyond <laughs> being cute, um, the effort has very particular uh, powers, which is why Lena picked it for Caleb. And one of them is that it can create bounty. So it can, I, I think it's its it might just be its presence actually as when it wherever it lands the soil becomes like super fertile and so when you plant something it will always grow but it also grows immediately so she takes the seed of an apple from the bounty that they had used to lure the effort to them places it on the ground where the effort was and it immediately like sprouts into a full tree with fruit and when they taste the fruit. It's the most delicious apple that they've ever tasted. And that's why she picked it for Caleb because he was trying to feed children, orphans specifically. Specifically. And she does make a really sweet line like, now you can feed everyone you want to. But he's really kind of, he's shady about why he cares. He doesn't have to say. <laughs> I know, but I want to know. <laughs> I mean, like, I want to know, like, baby Caleb's backstory, but like, He's just he so choked up say. with emotion that I'm just like, ah, I don't know. I just, yeah. Uh. I really liked how choked up he got. He's like, we've never had a conversation about my backstory. What I wanted. That, yeah. But like, she just knew that like, that's something that I would have liked. 
So we go to Nock's perspective, and at this point, he decides that he needs to share his curse with all of his bros, because up until this point, only Coast knows about his curse. Um, so he has to share his curse to explain why they need to break the oath. That way he can just be in love and be happy, among other is, reasons. <laughs> this is the point where Oz says that line about, I was always going to be on Lena's side the moment I saw her. And I was just like, oh, oh, baby. I know. <laughs> I love I, the relationships in this book so much. Yeah. I, like, I want to read more just for that. And all of the things I love the most about this book aren't the spicy stuff. So it's, no. I'm it's so the relationships the between them. I really They're love so well formed. Never mind the fact that they're assassins. We're not going to think about that. But like. Yeah, they're just, they're not. They're all teddy bears. But I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they all have such clear voices, which I love. So he shares about his curse. This continues to confuse me because he has a line where he says, unrequited love won't kill her, only my feelings. So so it doesn't matter if it's requited. I just cannot wrap my head around this. And it continued to bother me that the rules of this curse are not clear. Yeah, I felt the same way. But I, I interpreted that differently. I interpreted it as like his unrequited love won't kill her. Oh, just her feeling will. that makes more sense so yeah. it has to be reciprocated right that's how i interpreted it so it's okay for him to love her but she can't love him and in his mind she doesn't love him because who could i'm a monster <laughs> all right so he tells about his curse they are very supportive um this is the part where it starts to become very apparent that coast is in love with knock um, and all of his bros agree that they will try and save her with the understanding, however, that she will have to leave after so that they're going to try and break the oath so she doesn't have to be killed, but that she also can't stay right. because the curse knock wants to protect her because of the curse, um, which is upsetting. So, um, the woman from the bar earlier, Corinne agrees to take Lena and her band of brothers um to queen's isle which is where the mayad is um there is this they're dropped off for like sleepaway camp <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> she, she she like drops them off during the daytime and she's like all right we'll be back in a couple days to pick you up bye and i was like that seems like a lot <laughs> so yes but <laughs> but before that happens um we have this really wonderful scene in the rain between oh. knock and oh. lena yes oh um, yeah oh yeah <laughs> So it's it's pouring rain. They uh, run into each other outside of the like inn where they're staying and they talk and they clearly have this connection. Um, he is not as cold as he usually is. He's quite warmer. Um, and they have this connection. They have a really steamy kiss um, like up against the wall. It's really, really good. It's a really good kiss. And then Coast interrupts them literally throws knock off of her and into the rain and then um knock talk about a cold shower eh? Hey, hey. talk about hey. a cold shower <laughs> um knock storms inside away from both of them and um coast and lena have a conversation where coast explains or really it's not even that much long of a conversation yet but he says i hate that you fit which calls back to the puzzle analogy that knock loves a good puzzle 
and Coast is. I didn't even think about hate, that. Mm-hmm. I, I like loved that. it. I did too. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't hate Lena for who she is, but hates that Lena completes Knox's puzzle where Coast couldn't. That broke my heart. Yeah. <sighs> Me too. I just Same. like gave myself chills. <sighs> I just, I so I love the way that the author wrote that because, I mean, as much as I wanted like Coast to be like the level-headed one and be like, hey guys, we're assassins and she's like a mark and we shouldn't be like catering to wherever we need, like it was more than that and the way that she revealed that to the reader was just very well done it wasn't a tell it was a show it, it was, was a and show it was beautiful when she does show it is so good so they take Corinne ship to queen's isle very much sleepaway camp she's like okay deuces i'll come back for you in the morning and just like leaves bye them on this kind of hostile island like there's nothing have fun there. kids also they don't have like packing materials like they don't have a tent like they uh, no. well they're not described as having like backpacks or like they have like food yeah and i don't remember which which one of them notices but one of the bros one of the assassins says like hey i just saw a rock move and they were like rock move yeah i think it was oz and lena was like oh shit and looks and this creature this laharak um, emerges from the rock, and Lena's thought is immediately like, "Well, we're fucked." Like, yeah. So we the lava, the lava rock, which is basically you're saying lava rock if you've had your tongue numbed. Um, <laughs> the lava rock is the rock, and so it basically unfurls itself into this beast. We learn that it is an A class beast, taller than an elephant. And built like a wingless dragon, thick claws, a bone headdress with pointed spikes. Um, I skipped right over that description, and so I thought it looked like a Darumaka Pokemon, <laughs> which is basically a round orange ball with very short hands and very short limbs and I mean, it's big like a rock. fire eyebrows. I think I, that's fair. I thought it looked like a small crab, like a Dwebble, which is another Pokemon. Um, which is like has a rock on it and it's a crab or not a like kind of like a crab shelled thing crab what am i thinking of what are those called a hermit crab there we go hermit crab there we go yep thank you one of us still has a brain that works <laughs> we share one brain cell between but us for the record that team. is not at all what it looks like <laughs> no. no it's it's no it's majestic af and that is not at all what i got it's bone headdress I was here for. Um, so they D de- Lena thinks that they're all gonna die and the Laharak is gonna kill them all. Um, and all of them are like, well, we're gonna fight it together because we are team force go. Um You're not even drinking. <laughs> I lost my brain cell. It is someone else's turn. Okay. <laughs> it was, <laughs> was short lived. <laughs> um so they she brings forth the asura that cow headed i call it the cow headed yogi because it just like sits there with its um. shield um and coast um calls felix so that they can get a little bit ahead two minutes ahead of the laharak and coast loves felix so much already and threatens lena like if anything happens to felix like everything's over 
So the, As- so the Asura, which who doesn't get a name? Oh no, the, the Asura's name is Quilla. We do find out oh, here. Oh, Quilla. Okay, Quilla. But we didn't find out before. Um, so Quilla takes Felix and puts him in her lap. I'm just gonna go with genders for Quilla. I don't know. Um, and then puts the dome, the protective shield, around them both. So mm-hmm. she has again those ten hits to protect the dome. And then they begin this fight. During this fight, they find that there is a baby Laharak that the mama is protecting, which also explains why this Laharak is so fucking pissed. And um, also far from its home. So the Laharak usually mm-hmm. like lives in a volcano. Yeah. But had come down to the beach to like have and nurture her child. Which was strange to me. Like, why not stay where you're happy? Probably the hostility of living in a volcano, but <laughs> okay. I'm just guessing. Okay, what I think she mentions that. I think she says, like, the volcano is a hostile place to raise young. So she probably came down here to, to you know, give birth. But, you know, whatever. Whatever. Whatevs. Um, I'm not here for details. So, just, what are details? Um, so Lena calls forth another creature to help. Um, this is a creature named Selenus. What is yes. it, Katie? So Selenus is a Viserina, and so Viserinas are um, kind of a mermaid-esque creature. They're described as having iridescent blue and purple scales all along her torso and tail. Her tail is long. Um, She also has long fins that trail wide behind her um, that are, uh, like, attached to her tail because she also has humanoid hands. Uh, Her hands are webbed. Um, she also has a humanoid face with big, endless oval eyes, the color of rubies. And then on her palms, she has black voids. Um, so this kind of gave me um, that creature in the labyrinth with the, ha- the with eyes the on the eyes? Hand. Yes. That's what I yeah. felt. Yeah. C- creepy um, as fuck. But much cuter and less hostile. <laughs> and not like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I'm going to eat you for dinner kind of thing. Yeah, very scary. Yeah. Um, so she uses Selenus to their, their goal, their plan with Felix is to separate the mother and baby. Well, so, okay. I just want to clarify because they, they, the, the mother is protecting the baby and doesn't want to leave it, but she is eventually taunted away from the baby by Calum and Nock and Coast, I think. Yeah. So the three of them are trying to bait the mother away, and Oz and Lena are in the water next to Selenus, waiting for their cue. And once the mother is far enough away, Lena tells Selenus to create this big wall of water between the mother and the baby. Because I guess what we didn't describe very well is that the Laharaks are kind of made of fire, and so like if they were to go in the water, they would die. So the idea is... The mother's not going to go through the water to get to the baby and vice versa. Mm-hmm. But Oz can winnow Lena and himself to the baby so that Lena can tame the baby. But as soon as they get there, the baby freaks out, runs towards the water, and Oz shields the baby with his own body, burning off his clothes and into his skin because the baby is, like, made of fire. Um, and Lena just, like, just tells Selena to get rid of the water wall. Um, and that's the shared experience that bonds 
the baby with Oz because Oz saved the baby rather than having it commit suicide by running into a wall of water to try to get to its mom which was just like so beautiful it's so it beautiful really so sweet she remember she was kind of surprised by like how how it happened where she was like oh no he that that child wants to be yours now yeah, yeah. like once- but she has to be and- the conduit like it has to bond with her yeah. so that he can go with him <clears throat> right yeah <laughs> um and the mother laharak does begrudgingly follow into the beast realm to be with her baby yes which Um, means that lena has tamed her first a-class creature yes yes thanks to oz if we're being real (laughs) if we're being honest yeah and it was a team effort it was a huge team effort because they were all gonna die yeah they were were gonna gonna die fucked (laughs) she and knock have a conversation and in this conversation she finally expresses that she needs blood to tame the myad which is why she is there and he gives her his blood we have learned already the power in his blood. And at this point, we get a little bit more information that the Mayad is going to be drawn more to stronger blood. And clearly, Nock has the strongest blood because he can make it into weapons that can take your willpower away. And he can raise other people from the dead. And so throughout this journey, Lena has had some internal monologue of, I think, any of these men that maybe coast would probably give me their blood if I asked, <laughs> but I want Knox blood. Right. Um, and it's, uh, my note is really short for that entire chapter. Just he agrees and gives her his blood. Um, coast is very well equipped. So the little backpacks they do have just have vials in them, mm-hmm. um, of, uh, birth control because they yeah. all are prepared with birth control, just called Ipirate. There's some name for it. It doesn't matter. But it's birth control. I'm just so happy to see more and more male birth control appearing. So <laughs> Lena's like, I need to go tame the Mayad by myself because anyone else will be problematic. And they're like, no, no, no. So they go to where the Mayad is. They don't find it. But she offers up. Well, they know where it is because there's a nest. Um, and she offers up the blood and the... She uses she uses a creature to ensure that the assassins don't interfere right. um, with the Maya taming because it's an incredibly dangerous beast and very specific taming needs. So she calls forth a creature, little Grundy. <clears throat> so Grundy is a gravel tot. <laughs> gravel tot. <laughs> It's my favorite name. <laughs> I know. And they're described as being no larger than a desk globe. They're hooved and they are covered in slate plates with red rimmed coal like eyes. Um, and they can put invisible weights on things. And that's what Lena uses it for. And I honestly, we can talk about it more after the scene. I do. I don't blame her for this. I think the men's behavior either. is inappropriate. Agreed. Um, so I think they she explains that the gravel tots can like manipulate gravity, so it's, it yeah. is just like kind of being squished. Um, so she uses the gravel tot to squish them, squish all of the men, um, because they are incapable of letting her fight her own battles. And so the Mayad approaches and is beautiful and terrifying. Yes. So beautiful. the Mayad is described as being an oversized black panther. 
He has wings that are vibrant teal and emerald colored. He also has a mane that is also feathered um, and a peacock streak running the length of his spine and tail. Um, he also has these gold bracelets around his ankles, which are described as being protective of his weak points. But I just loved the fact that this animal loves bling. Uh, yes. And I, yeah. I picture them like like the genies bracelets yeah. in Aladdin. Exactly. So the taming of the Mayad is terrifying. So the Mayad bites Lena. Well, there's three phases. Oh, tell me the first phase. So the tell first phase is yeah. she off she offers the blood of a murderer freely given. Yes. And so she takes the blood that a knock had given her, pours it in her hand, and the Mayad licks it off of her palm. The second one is that she needs a token of loyalty, and so she gives the ring oh, that her mother gave her. I forgot about that. To the Mayad, and the Mayad accepts the ring, and he's actually got this crown of gold underneath his like feather mane, and it becomes like melded to the crown. Which is really cool. And then the last phase is what you were about to go into. The last phase is the terrifying one, which is why I think it's stuck in my head. Yes, it's very terrifying. Um, so again, this is an overgrown panther, a big-ass cat with big-ass fangs. Um, and so the Mayad bites Lena, um, pins her down, bites her. Um, I pictured it being, like, in her, like, shoulder, neck area, I think. Mm -hmm. um, pins her down and bites her. And during this, the Mayad sifts through her memories um, to deem her worthy or not. So it goes through... Um, like her selling beasts and she there, it's not a conversation between her and the Maya necessarily, but kind of her internal explanations of things like I selling beasts as my only way to survive, um, being exiled, not being the one to try to tame a human, um, all of the things she's done, good, bad, or in between. And um, it's, Alluded to that if the Maya doesn't accept her or doesn't deem her as being worthy, then it's just going to kill her. So this taming is kind of all or nothing. There's no backing out, which is why I think she uses that the gravel tot um, Grundy to block the men, because the second the Maya bites her, Knock uh, loses his fucking mind. Um, yeah. To the point where he kind of starts beginning to fight the like gravity pull and actually kind of begins to move under it not very much not enough to make a difference but very clearly trying to get to her um and save her but thankfully the maya does accept her um does deem her worthy and she names him onyx which is a great name i love the name yeah giant terrifying fucking beast um but Knock is real pissed that Lena. Everyone's pissed. Everyone's pissed. They're so mad that she put herself at risk and made them watch. Um, and Coast talks about his feelings and the need for trust between all of them and how she kind of violated their trust by make rendering them powerless when she was in danger. Um, Lena also has a thought that Onyx would be a great fit for knock if it wasn't a beast that she needed mm -hmm. um and also he doesn't want anything other than a guess um we shift into knock's perspective and he is 
quite angry with her for putting herself at risk because all he wants to do is protect her and love her. So I just want to jump in because like all of them are categorically pissed about incapacitating them. But like she tells them at the start, if I look like I'm in danger, I need you to back off. So one, they made the choice to come with her on this journey. And two, they made the choice that when she asked them to back off, they said, well, if you look like you're going to die, we have to intervene. And so like, I, I don't know. They're asking for her trust, but they're not trusting her to like be on her own shit and like understand what she needs to do. And despite the fact that she's proven to them that she's probably the strongest of all of them put together. Like she can handle herself. So like their feelings aside, or look, their feelings, I guess, are valid because they're characters and they're people and they should feel their feelings. But I was like, that's really unfair because you didn't give her a chance. You you didn't even listen to her when she told you what she needed, Mm -hmm. but you're asking for trust in return. That. That dog doesn't hunt with me. When you clearly would yeah. have violated her trust, because if she had trusted you to back off, you ju- you just admitted you wouldn't have. Right. Exactly. Right. So, like, what exactly are you asking her to trust you about? Because she took you at your word. Yeah. We didn't talk about this earlier, but there were multiple times where, like, the whole group or knock fly off the handle for what is seemingly no good reason. Like, uh, when um, Calum and Lena go off to team team tame his beast Mm -hmm. alone when they get back knock is like livid that they went off alone and how dangerous and how could you blah 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 blah. and like this is just another one of those instances where like i don't i don't like necessarily that behavior like i like the you know the who did this to you trope Mm -hmm. but like this possessiveness or this like lack of trust in their own ability really bothers me yeah uh she and knock have a heart to heart um, Lena talks to him about the council and why exactly she needed the Myad and like what the Myad was doing. Um, and they have, they make out. They have a pretty steamy makeout session, um, which is really great. And he stops it. Um, however, it's not as bad that he stops it this time because he decides to tell her about the curse, which I applaud him. This um, actually kind of happened quicker than I thought it would. I was thinking that he was just never going to tell her about the curse or it was going to be a really long miscommunication trope. And so I'm glad that he told her. Um, And it felt like an appropriate time to tell her. Like, they've kissed twice. There's clearly feelings here. Well, and it's been... So this was the first real time that her life was in danger. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like the the couple of times, like Des mentioned, that he had overreacted before. Like, this time, it was an appropriate reaction because she was, like, pinned by this beast. And she would have died. (laughs) She would have died if she didn't pass the test. And so I feel like at this point, he's just like, I can't do this anymore. And that felt Mm -hmm. really relatable. And I'm so glad that they didn't keep persisting this miscommunication trope. Me too. I hate that. I hate it so much. I'm like, cool. Everything's out in the open. We already knew this, but he tells her that he was cursed before he died. And I do think it's interesting that the curse remains after um, Rising. I feel like dying should nullify curses, but right, apparently not. I have which... questions about that. He lays all this out for her and um, admits to having feelings. And she, in my opinion, gives a really shitty response in that she doesn't do love and therefore she's safe. But How I think do... that yeah, she's lying not... to her. No, she's totally lying oh, to yeah. herself. But like, if you were knock, 
I don't know. I don't like it. She's obviously I would be offended because she's oh, she's yeah. already dying. But I would be offended. Like I just I didn't like it. And it wouldn't. I think, I think in her brain it doesn't. She's she does. It's not real. That's true. It's not real. And she has closed herself off ever since when mm-hmm. for a very long time. Yeah. Um, so like where he doesn't know how to process his feelings, she has closed off her feelings and denied them for so long that she probably doesn't even remember what it's like to be in love. Yeah. He does accept her response. He is not offended, nor does it ruin his moment. And they have sex. And it is yeah. very it's well good. written. It That's is good sex. It's very good sex. Um, thank you, Maxim Martineau. Mm-hmm. So good. You should write more of it. <clears throat> yes, you should write more of it. I'm going to make a petition. Um, fuck them publishers. Fuck them publishers. So they finish and they are canoodling and she coughs. She just has like a little cough. And he. A little um, COVID cough. Just a little like, <laughs> which is what I have, my little COVID coughs. Um, which, okay. So uh, we'll get to the significance of this, but like sometimes I have to cough after like rambunctious sex. Like, also, I have allergies. Sometimes I just cough. Well, and like, and I have asthma. So if it's like particularly <laughs> activity based, I strenuous. can't. It's strenuous. I, I need my inhaler. <laughs> so sexy. I can make it through, but at the end, I'm just like. <laughs> I go in the bathroom and use it. He doesn't see. <laughs> you can just hear the <laughs> so sexy. We're married. He loves me. It's fine. <laughs> he immediately freaks out at this cough, wrenches her up, um, notices the bruises under her eyes because the makeup has been wiped away. These um bruises, dark circles that she's been trying to hide. He asks her, like, have your lips been chapped? Um and this is where my note goes. Did you guys make this connection earlier? I didn't. <laughs> now I know you yeah. did. <laughs> yeah, we did. Well, cool. <laughs> it's okay. It was it was very subtle. It was well written. This is again a really good show don't, show, tell. don't tell. Yes. Which is um, why I know the author can do it. Do it more. <laughs> right. Like you can clearly do it. Um, he freaks out, says she's already dying and kicks her out of the room, which, woof, woof. Um, Way to throw cold water on that situation. Right. And like, I see his point because when, um, Coast got to this point, he just kind of like isolated himself from Coast and Coast recovered. So I think he's thinking he can do that from Lena. Um, but they're also on this journey together. So like, he... There's no further thoughts other than you're dying. Get out of my room. <laughs> Sorry. Um, is is this where he says, don't you see this is why I need the, the gifts? Yes. It comes okay. up like, it, yes, it does. Like, this is why I need the gifts. And she does finally understand and agrees. Yeah. Okay. Um, That's what I thought. Yeah. Like, this is my only hope to get out of my curse. Um, I think it's after, like, he kicks her out and then they, like, talk, like, later the, the, the same day. Yeah. Also in her um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so the next day they are traveling with the agreement they're going to go get the gifts for knock. They're on their way to get the gifts. And Lena makes a point not to cover the dark circles with makeup, which is a statement to knock. I feel like, <laughs> like I, I don't know why, but it felt really rude to me. <laughs> Look at me when I'm dying. <laughs> right. And I just, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't 
I didn't like that. Um, Knock and Coast are walking together and having a conversation. And I, my first note in this conversation is that Coast is just a really good friend. Like, yeah. just really cares about Knock, really wants him to be happy, um, even at his own detriment. And it's in this conversation that Knock finally sees that Coast loves him, has been in love with him this whole time. Um, and they just have such a sweet conversation. Part of the word before they get to their like love explanation, um, Coast and Knock are talking, and Knock says, like, she's dying. And Co says that he can see that, and that's why she agreed to get the gifts. And as much as Coast doesn't like that Lena fits, he has this line that just says, Knock fixed this. Like, you need to deal with this. Not 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 kill her, but like you need to fix this with her because she is your like happiness. But you just need those, to fix this for you. Yeah. Um, so just those three little words, like stab my heart. Like knock I fix know. this. It's so well written. So after he tells him to fix this, knock is like, it's fine, I'll distance myself like I did with you. She's not too far gone. And Coast is like, that's not what I meant. Like, <laughs> I you need to be happy. Like, we're gonna make this work. Um and they <sighs> Okay. I'm gonna read this paragraph because it is just so lovely. And she's um, gonna cry. I am gonna cry. So um, they're having this conversation and Coast just kind of stares at him and is like, I, I need you to be happy. And Nock is kind of oblivious and is like, what are you saying? Um, he removed his glasses, which can we talk about how Coast doesn't need glasses? He wears them purely because he likes the way they look because I think that's fun. It's an aesthetic. <laughs> it's an aesthetic. Anyway, he removed his glasses and stared at me without filter. Emotion flared behind his eyes, honest and for once unguarded. Love, pure and real. Pain as deep and as dark as mine. And at once I knew. I knew why he hated Lena. Not her, but the thought of her. How long had he been silently suffering? Decades? Since the moment I said foot and cure? I never once acknowledged his love. How cruel I was, even if it was better, that I'd never said a word. Even if it had saved his life. So beautiful. Um... So they get to the these ruins, which is where the Gis live. Um, and they seem like the easiest thing in the world to tame. Like, they just appear. Well, but Nock and Lena go off to tame the Gis by themselves and leave the other three kind of at camp. Yeah. Um, so they do have a Gis um, that agrees to for his wish to um, get rid of the curse. And wait, the- but the Gis, importantly, has a different appearance. So going back to the conversation oh, we had earlier, each Gis is unique. Um, so while, you know, dogs kind of look like dogs and I have my <laughs> own dog and I know that each fur baby is unique. These actually physically look different. Um, so this Gis has black hair with tiny white flowers in it, which I thought was cute and rosy cheeks. And um, they name her Winnow. Um, and similarly to the previous Gis can speak directly to Nock in his in his mind. They can like telecommunicate. Um, but this Winnow is not doesn't seem as conniving as um, Fable. Fable. Yeah. Yes. Um, seems much sweeter, uh, much purer. 
almost naive a little almost, bit. Almost, yeah, almost naive, um, but is very confident that the curse can be lifted as long as he agrees to whatever the payment is. And so the payment is that he has to give up what he's worked so hard for. And it's incredibly vague. Um, but I'd- also... She doesn't ever, like, specify what that thing is, Mm-mm. even though she might have the power to do so in, I guess, some interpretations of how Gisses work. Yeah, which we kind of learned from Wynn a little bit later that Gisses don't have to speak in riddles. They can be pretty, they can be straightforward, like, hey, here's the payment. Um, but I also got the impression that that's dependent on how, like, close they are with the gods that, like, communicate the payment for the... Ask. Yeah, that's yeah. what I got too. Is like, mm-hmm. it's more to do with the gods and less to do with the gis. Yeah, right. Like, yes, they are mischievous, but it's more to do about with like the gods and their the, the gods' mischievousness more so than mm-hmm. the gis. Yeah, because so the... we we should clarify that like it's the gis that's the go between. The gods are actually like making the wish come true and mm-hmm. also demanding payment, and the gis is just the messenger, like the bank teller, right. So that is the payment that he has to give up what he has worked hardest for. I He took it to mean that he has to give up his guild. I made the prediction that he would have to, that he was giving up his anonymity because we've talked about how he's hiding his history, his appearance. Um, I thought that was going to be what he's given up for or what he was giving up. Um, did you guys have predictions other than that guild that he thought it was? I didn't think that it was going to be the guild specifically. I thought it was going to be his chosen family. So the three others, mm-hmm. I thought that they were going to die. <laughs> like, so just I, wiped out. I would have yeeted the book out the window. I know, me too. <laughs> Immediately. So for me, I thought, like, I at first I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And then, like... As the book continued, like, almost immediately after that whole thing happened, like, as we'll get to in a second, when he's talking with Lita later, I was like, oh, no, it's not them. It's not them at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. we come to find out that that is. It is not yeah. them. <laughs> yeah, I will say that that's, that was my initial impression, but it became clear before it was confirmed that it was. It's not that. Not that. Um. The curse is lifted. It works. Um, up to this point, Nakakesh has tried a lot of things to lift this curse. Nothing else has worked. Um, but this does work. And Winnow leaves to go discuss the final terms with the gods. <clears throat> but the curse is lifted. Woo! And um, Nock tells Lena that there is also a way out of her bounty um, about that oath where they can go kill whoever said it. Um and she admits that she's super in love with him, of course. And he's really nervous, and it's really cute. And she proposes yeah. that they go for a swim. There's, like, this little pond in the ruins where they are. Um, and Nock asks Lena to stay with him and with the guild and with their little family. Um, and they it's, – it's very steamy. They have sex in the water in the pond. I do have a caveat here that if you are a human who has a vagina, don't have sex submerged in water. It's not good for your insides. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. don't do it. But in the context of reading, it was so hot. It's really sweet. Like, it's a really sexy scene, but it's also just really romantic. Um, it is. It's really because nice. He, 
he introduces her to this term. I'm going to butcher it. Neamile. Oh, I know. Which yeah. me it's it's some kind of ancient language and it means ones who one who fills my soul, which I love. I and love. Um, so I have this wonderful romantic scene. But then, of course, yeah. who finds him immediately? But Wynne and yeah. his other band of charmers, um, which, again, there's so many cold showers that just, like, come in here. Um, Knock is immediate. Okay, so I have to read my note, too, because I know that they are uh, Gravel Tots, which is a great name. But my note is, Knock is immediately smushed by Gravity Friend. Because <laughs> I couldn't remember its name, um, which he is. He is gravity a, friend. Gravity friend. Um, Win has one of those uh, gravel tots and uses it to smush knock. Um, smoosh, smoosh, and the other assassins are apparently trapped in the same way as well, so they won't be coming to rescue them. Um, Win knows everything she's been up to because of his fucking psycho spy bird. Um, birds aren't real. Birds aren't real. And, um, but I, I he, think the most incredible betrayal here is that, um, Winnow is the one that went to notify Win, because <clears throat> the payment that the gods demanded was that she do so. Mm-hmm. And so Win has trapped her in some kind of device that, like, essentially traps her in the the real world until she's too exhausted and has to retreat to the beast realm which like i don't know that just seemed particularly evil there's no reason for him to do that no there's no reason to throw that in her face and i i think that was he does i mean it it's i think he does that to push forward his agenda that he's trying to convince lena that Knox sold her out from the get-go um, which he continues to try and convince her of. So Lena is the payment or love is the payment, something that he has achieved, worked hard for. Um, so when kidnaps her, um, takes her to his house and locks her up in this really bright room with no shadows, um, which is eerie because we know that in High Wreath it is, well, we learn that it's highly protected and the assassins can't easily get in. But I find the fact that there's no shadows in this room to be interesting because I think there's a reason for that. Like they can't use their shadows to even like give messages or anything like that because there's nothing to tap into. Mm -hmm. And that was just like just another layer of him being so sinister. And knowing his target, right? Like, yeah, understanding that he wanted her to be essentially unfindable Mm -hmm. and unrescuable, which is horrifying right truly Um, really portraying him as a dick for real so she's locked up well and tortured like that's the part that really fucked like the way that they wrote the torture scenes Mm -hmm. like was so graphic and so upsetting from like a a number of different perspectives like it was all like using poisons to like make her lose her mind and like trying to charm her which is what Wynn's trying to do he's trying to like win her over and charm her so he can charm a human so that he can supposedly break this keep their people from not being in danger because apparently they're in danger i some vague reason the whole thing was really upsetting and saying he sounds sinister and the way that he's done this is a great way of a great use of the word sinister for him so creepy 
So in getting there, leading up to the torture, so she's locked up. He's still trying to gaslight her. Um, that Knox sold her out. Part of ways just to like psychologically torture her. There is um, a beast in this room that emits what could be white noise, but is too loud and too irritating to be white noise, which talk about psychological torture. Yeah. Um, the woman who placed the hit doesn't know that she's been taken, which is also interesting because um, she wants Lena dead. But the Myad is now a true problem because they needed like bones of a traitor or something to that effect, which is why they needed Lena's bones. But now that she has the Myad who has accepted her, she's no longer fit for that. Um, they need bones of a tainted charmer. That's and it. And then the wind lets slip. They also need blood of an undead prince. Which when it makes this throwaway comment, that's like, that's impossible to come by. And I'm like, it's not obviously. Come on. Guys. It's super not. <laughs> yeah. We all see it coming. Yeah. Yeah. Saw that a mile away. Yeah. Thank but you. he's like, this is impossible. I'm like, okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> so while Lena is there, Nock returns to his guild and is like, we have to go after Lena because he loves her. Um, as Darian comes up and he's a troublemaker and just kind of stirs the pot. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we have to go after one of our own. Which, Which most of them haven't met really beyond two days. She stayed yeah, there. At, the fact that he just comes back from spring break 2023 <laughs> Ortega Key and he's like, I'm married now. And like, we're, we have to go after one of our own. It's like, okay, bro, did you just, are you under a spell? Like, did you just get really good pussy? Like, I like, what? how do you make this real to the people that like are physically in your care? Like, I just thought that right. that was not, and have and been this is another one of those decades. examples yes. where they're supposed to be like this assassin's creed and they're not. They're just at not. All. No, no, no. It seemed very childish and immature and not yeah. well thought out. Yeah. Well, and then continue on the childish part. Darian, even though he's kind of portrayed to be sort of a villain he's like this is problematic like you can't just do this and Aka's like well you can get out and start your own club and I'm with Darian <laughs> I'm like okay bye I know and he does Darian takes like half of them with him and he goes to start his own club which cool <laughs> girl bye yeah can um, relate can relate so we go back to Lena um another part that is super creepy even before we get to like the physical torture is um when makes her drink the birth control potion um, because know. he doesn't want her to be pregnant with Nox's baby because that would be problematic for him because he's a psychopath. Um, he tries to tame her, but his light is all wrong. So how um, Lena has this rosewood light that is like light and love and peace. Winds used to be like that. It used to be, I think it's described as like yellow and sunshiny. Now it's just stark and just kind of straight power. There's no love or care behind it. It's just like force power. Um, it doesn't work this time. So he takes a knife with um, Uluks, Uluks Venom, um, which is a creature we haven't met, but it is Venom, which will kind of drive her insane. It'll cloud her head, mess with her memories and her thoughts, and it will make all of her muscles seize up. One of the things that um, she's, Wynn is trying to convince her that and we've talked about this a little bit, but Wynn is trying to convince her that Nock knew the price of his breaking the curse. Yeah, and that it but would be Lena. 
through this entire torture scene, like, I just didn't emotionally feel with her, like, some of the doubt that she was feeling because mm-hmm. we know from Knox's perspective that was not the case. Right. And it's just yep. another example of, like, how I get emotionally invested in books and I appreciated <laughs> – I've never had a book that like lays all the cards on the table like this. Mm -mm. And I appreciated that because I could appreciate what she was going through without actually experiencing it myself. Yeah. It was kind of, it was comforting. Yeah. I didn't have the angst. Cozy fantasy. Yes. Knock and his merry band of followers um, try and find High Wreath, which is hidden in the Kitska forest, um, which is, uh, the same forest that the guild is in, but the guild is kind of on the edge, and it's said to be that the Kitska forest is um, is full of, like, monsters and creatures, and it's really spooky and windy, so they keep getting lost. Um, but Kalem finds an invisible wall that burns him when it's touched, which they believe is the wall blocking Hyrie's. There is a conversation, another one between Nock and Kost, which is or Coast, which is so sweet, about the unrequited love. Um, Nock apologizes for not reciprocating. And again, Kost is just a ride or die friend, like just there for him, just ready to get him his woman back. Um, his woman, his woman. Nock calls on Winnow for comfort. Um, and which I love because Winnow is like, I didn't expect to hear from you. One, because I thought so soon. So soon. And, and I get the feeling that Gis probably don't get any attention between the six I months. Know. That breaks my heart. I know. Um, and so, and he's like, no, I just, it's just comfort. Comfort. Yeah. You're here for comfort. You're here for comfort. Like, you're my link to her. And like, and I love you. We're bonded. Um, so he And did- it was almost like a, <sighs> like so an abusive sweet. relationship. Like when it was just like, oh, I, I'm sorry. I can't do anything. And he's just like, no, I just, I just want to be with you. And when it was like, I know. I know. <laughs> and like sitting on his hand, just like holding his little fingers. I know. Oh. So cute. It's so cute. Um, so he does um ask Wino if she will deliver a message. So Wino agrees to take a message to Lena, and the message is basically like, We're coming for you. Um and she just seems so surprised that Nock actually cares for her, and it's just oh, so sweet. It's heartbreaking and also beautiful. Before um, Winnow gets there, Lena has unscrewed a screw from one of her shackles and has a great plan to stab Win in the neck. Um, but it doesn't work, which is really frustrating because I wish it did. But she is quite feisty as we continue to see. He ties her up again, starts to torture her up again. Um, the door is conveniently left open, which is how Winnow gets in. Um, Lena thinks she is hallucinating, but... Um, Winnow asks, like, what do I do? Uh, They're here. They can't get through. And Lena tells her that she needs to go get permission from the Kestrel and that visitors can get, visitors can get permission from the Kestrel. At the end of this, um, she submits to the charming, the taming from Wynn, unfortunately. Um, And it ends with this really, like, horrifying line of saying, I was free, like, free from the pain and the torture, which is awful heartbreaking Ugh, for real um so when returns to knock and says that the kestrel is coming so the kestrel is described as this um large wingspan slender paper white bird-like creature 
with a very long tail and very elegant feathers. Um, I'm not sure if we learned this explicitly in the prose, but in the bestiary, it, the reason that the Kestrel has uh, control over who enters the barrier and who doesn't is because it is an untamable beast that appeared when the charmers were banished from society and it created the barrier and it maintains um, control of the barrier. So that's why it's in charge of who can come and who can go. The Kestrel also doesn't speak, which most of the uh, creatures don't speak, but it's specifically said that the Kestrel doesn't speak. Um, Nock explains like Lena needs help. They need to get through. And the Kestrel just kind of saunters away, flying away, and they follow. <clears throat> Once they approach Hyreth, they are trying to hide in the shadows. Um, and they're like, well, cool, we'll just use our shadows to get in there. But they are these um, sentries that are described as like flying deer type creatures. I don't think we get a name for them. Um, but they can obviously see them despite the shadows around them and they sound the alarm. And so all the assassins, they have I think there's like 25 that came with them from the guild to help on this journey yep. decide to attack. Because they're like, well, cool. Everyone knows we're here, so we're just going to fight the Charmers. We return to Lena. She has no more free will. She's just kind of sitting on the steps in the open, listening to Wynne and this mysterious woman like talk about her. Um, and it's at this point that Wynne does convince Lena finally that... Um, knocks all her out and that it's knock or her so she needs to fight and kill knock or she's going to be killed and she has no free will so she believes that um knock can tell that lena is not herself thank god that that's not another miscommunication trope i'm so glad he that was tell. gonna drive me crazy that was oh my, my greatest fear me too. was that like he was gonna think that she had be- didn't love him anymore and it was gonna turn into this whole thing and i just was not emotionally prepared to deal with that no for real um, but he can tell that something is very wrong. Um, uh, the council members or this like band of Wynn's followers, they have a bunch of the um, shield creatures. Like it, it's going to be problematic, but they can just summon like endless shadow daggers. So they can just like toss them all out. Um, but it's kind of hard to contact throughout this battle. But Wynn makes Lena summon her myad, and I was very concerned with how this was going to go. Like, it, like, could its magic see what Lena really wanted, or was it just going to go with what her brainwashing wanted? <sighs> Which I will get to. So I was surprised that the myad obeyed her while she <coughs> was being controlled by another council member. Yeah, I didn't like that. I was also confused by that. I, I was hoping the Maya's magic could see through that. That didn't jive with like the whole taming Mm-mm. ritual that you had to go through. Like the Maya very clearly has knowledge of who Lena is as a human mm-hmm. and as a person. And like it, it felt like the Maya should know something's wrong and like not follow what lena asks him to do so there's this battle many of them are dying the assassins are dying i think 11 are dead at this point that we don't really see they're just bodies littered um the maya does follow lena's brainwashing order to attack knock and caleb 
um, or Callum takes the hit instead and dives in front to save Nock. Um, Effie tries to save him um, with her power, but at this point it's pretty clear that he's dead, which is really upsetting. Um, Effie's crying over Callum's body is what breaks through Wind's hold, which I thought was really nice. Um, so it breaks through the brainwashing because um, Lena can hear um, Effie crying over the body. So Lena snaps out of it and Wynn tries to exert his control over her again, but the whole council witnesses this. And while there may be someone on the council who knows what Wynn is doing, the rest are not okay with this because this is a very taboo thing for the charmers. Um, while this is happening, Nock sneaks behind Win and kills him, which is great because get Win out of here. Um, but he doesn't just kill him. He decapitates him. He decapitates him. him, which we talked about this in Black Sunshine, but it's really hard to cut the head off of someone's body. And I um, applaud that. He yes. needed to separate his mm-hmm. head from his body and I think for he what used he his, did. He used like this giant blood dagger, right? Uh-huh. Out of and his own like, blood, oh. which is yeah, badass. daddy. Yes. So bad ass um, i stand i stand so this woman approaches her name is kaori and it turns out that she is the crown of the council she's the he leader of the council um and effie has still been there over callum's body um kind of holding him together he has this huge wound in his body and um kaori says that she can heal him, but that he's going to be different. And the only reason he's even survived this long is because of Effie and her magic. Um, Kaori uses her cat thing. They're not named, but her cat thing's name is Stella. And Stella bleeds into Callum's wound um, to ease the beast inside of him. And we don't get a lot of information about what's going to happen to Callum, and I'm really interested. I am too. He gets silver rings around his eyes, which yes. I have a lot of questions about. Um, it's at this point that, um, Lena looks to Onyx and he just looks really confused. Um, I don't blame him. Me too, girl. Sad. I know. It really broke my heart that Onyx is just like, I don't understand what happened. Like, I thought I did the thing and now everyone's upset. And it made me really sad. Um, Callum comes back to life and immediately hits on Cowrie, which I fucking love. (laughs) Um, so in line with his character. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Kauri is not the crown leader. Yasmin is the crown leader. And um, says, like, okay, like, we need to have a council meeting, clearly. We'll do your hearing. Also, we have to do it right now. Council meeting has to happen right now. (laughs) There's dead bodies everywhere. There's dead bodies everywhere. (laughs) Gotta do a council meeting right now. I mean, no. (laughs) No time like the present. (laughs) I disagree. Um... (laughs) But it's not just a council meeting. It's like a trial. It's a trial. Like, this is a process. Um, Lena is prepared that she needs to go alone. And Yasmin says that Nock is Lena's Anam Kara and therefore can come with her. Um, we learn later, we talked about it before, but that that is like the one that my soul chooses or something to that effect, um, which is very nice. It's the highest relationship that they as charmers can denote between other humans or beasts it's higher than the connection with beasts yeah Yeah. i just thought that that was really cool like that other it's recognizable from to other people i do love that yes i do too 
because up till this point, I mean, after Yasmin says that, Lena's like, oh, yeah, I accept that. Yeah. Um, a truest declaration of love. A tr- truest. Oh. Oh, I want I ancient heard. languages that people use for me. I know. <laughs> um, so she's brought before the council, and there is a creature known as a Nesbit. Nesbit. Okay. The it's Nesbit really cute. Is it, it? It's very cute. It's a rabbit, a rabbit-like beast, and it can identify the truth or lies. Um. Mm-hmm. It has like a gem on its head that is green or red, green for truth, red for lies. Um, and so Lena tells her story, answers the questions um, about how it was Ren from the get go trying to charm humans. And the Nesbit confirms that this is all true and accurate. And the fact Wynn, that not Ren, I want to call him Ren, um, that Wynn was the one charming humans, um, which clearly they just saw because just tried to do it to lena but they had to confirm um, anyways in this trial for some reason also right I, yeah and they needed both sides they yes he's dead or whatever both sides <clears throat> well they also interview knock though um a little bit and he is also telling all the truth um and the nesbit confirms that knock had no idea he was risking lena so that takes away the shadow of that doubt if lena is so concerned that she was sold out the nesbit confirms that he didn't know um this is where we meet a couple other members of the council. We meet Raven, who is real sketchy and is probably the one who set the bounty. We don't really get confirmation, but it's probably the one. Um, there is a council member named Gage, who straight up says that Nock looks like a dead royal. Mm-hmm. Um, which Famous royal dead doppelganger. Uh, yeah, and... I think Nock is just like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Never. I've heard that before, but it's not me, homie. It's not me, homie. <coughs> don't know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> Lena is absolved of all crimes and is offered a seat on the council should she want it. Um, I also love as a part of this conversation, like they are like, why should we believe you and not, you know, we just have one side of the story. And <laughs> Nock comes to Lena's defense and he's like, didn't stop you before. I know. Oh and the God. council's just like, mm, me. <laughs> but she's absolved of all crimes. Um, offered a seat on the council. She asks to think about it. Um, this is also a doesn't real. Doesn't give an answer. She doesn't book. give an answer. She just has to think about it. But um, another good nod to healthy, non-toxic relationships is that Nock is really supportive and is like, if this is where you want to be, I'm sad that we won't be together all the time. But like. We'll make it work. Yeah, like you earned this, which I love that that wasn't a make or break. Yeah. Um, Cowrie tells them, because they're going to go back to the guild, that since Callum has feral magic in his blood now, uh, he might start acting differently. And if he needs help, he should just be sent back and she'll deal with it. So I'm interested to see where that goes. I would read that fanfic. Would totally read that fanfic. Um, I bet it's in one of the future books. I hope so. Yeah, it's got to be. Um, there is a creature that was left from Wynn, because now he is dead, his legendary. And that is called the Mistari. And so we don't get a whole lot of information about what the Mistari does, besides the fact that it has a white coat with scaled crystal plates over its chest, and it has four wings coming out of each of its ankles, which help it navigate the world so like that helps it move fast and fly and things like that um and since when 
is dead, the Mastari need somewhere to go. Um, and they ask if Lena will adopt him. And Nock really balks at this and is like, you want her to adopt the creature of the man that tortured her for weeks? And Lena doesn't. She's like, of course. Like, it's not this creature's fault. Just like how Onyx doesn't understand what was happening. Like, the Mastari doesn't control what Wynn did to me. Um, and just, she's and it, just so nice. <laughs> and in some ways, I think it's a shared experience, right? Because yeah. she's, she looks at the Mistari and the Mistari looks back at her. And in that gaze, like, Lena interprets torture. Mm-hmm. And so I think that Wynn was just not nice to any of his beasts, even though the bond might have been strong. Like, I don't think that the Mistari necessarily enjoyed that relationship. Yeah. And so I think that that primarily is why she accepts that like the mistari was not complicit in no. the actions yeah i agree yasmin confirms that um lena has been pardoned of all things and that she's been pardoned of the hit on her however the oath is still in effect because uh yasmin can't remove that like the person who set the the hit can remove it or needs to die so we still don't know how long Nock has. Um, Yasmin confirms that like no one's going to go after Lena, but that doesn't really help Nock right now. Um, and they say that they'll, they're going to conduct an investigation to figure out who placed it and get it removed. Um, they, Nock and Lena, have a shower scene together where he kisses all of her torture scars. And it continues to be really sweet. Um, they he says that he will kiss them every single night before they go to bed or something like that and it's so sweet it's so sweet um so they make their way they're on their way back to the guild and gage the one who recognized knock goes with them um because he has business in the area supposedly um it seems like Gage and Coast might be a thing. Gage seems quite yeah. interested, and I yeah. am so here for that. I love that. <laughs> he, I'm so here for that. Um, So this is where Nock and Lena start to talk about his history, and he, he kind of shuts it down, but with the caveat that they're going to come back to it. But we do know that he murdered a princess, Um, but we don't know if that's because of his curse or the reason behind the curse. We don't get a lot of information. Is it Amira? Is it somebody else? Yeah. So we still don't really know. Um, he reiterates, like, once we've risen, we we leave our past selves behind us. And she gives that line of, like, okay, fine. But, like, we're not done here. Yeah. Like, we chose each other. So I need this information. So question for you, Des. Did you read the epilogue? I did. Woo! Oh, great. Would Would you like to tell us about tell it? Tell us about the epilogue. Uh I'd love to tell you about the epilogue. So basically they're back at the Karur, uh, the Assassin's Guild Hall, um, and they're playing this weird version of chess that Lena saw when she first arrived there. Um, And so they're all just sort of hanging out and having a good time, and um, the guys are kind of making fun of Lena and uh, Nock because they feel like Nock is just telling Lena how to win constantly. And he's never lost. Um, He's never lost. Um, so they're playing and like hanging out and he's telling her like where to move a piece just strategically so she can learn. Um, and we're, we're getting this from his uh, perspective and his wrist where the mark of the, oh my God, yeah. the oath is starts to burn. Um, and he just like, he makes a face and Lena's like, what's going on? He's like, Oh, nothing. Like, I'm just, you know, 
whatever, don't worry about it. Like, let's just go ahead and keep playing, like writing it off, not letting her know that he is in pain because the curse, or not the curse, the oath is still in effect. And his time is running out. It seems kind of like it's a yes. warning. Yeah. And that's pretty much how it ends. Okay, so. Des, why don't you kick us off with your ratings? How do you rate the spice level? Uh, I gave it a two. Um, the spice level that's there, there's not a lot of it, but the stuff that is there is really good. So good. Um, what about the writing style? Uh, I gave it a four. It's not, it, it's very approachable. Um, it's very easy to read. I frequently would look down and realize I was much further in the book than I had anticipated being. I would just lose myself in, in the writing, which was really great. And then the quality of storytelling. I also gave it a four. Again, I kept losing myself in the story um, and I just had such a great time with it and I enjoyed it so much. Do you recommend it? Seems like maybe yes. Absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. Absolutely. <laughs> it would be funny if you're like, nope. <laughs> um, Katie, spice level. So I rated the spice level as three. Um, I loved the angst and the buildup. And then when they did finally do the deed, it was not, um, you know, often, but what was there was intimate in a way that I think a lot of just sex books miss. And it really made, it, it added to the story because it really communicated the closeness of the characters. And so I really liked that. Agreed. Um, writing style. So the writing style, I think we've talked about a couple of things that bothered me or ground my <laughs> gears. Um, and so the primary thing that I had a problem with was that this author told a lot of the story when it was very obvious that she could have showed us. And there wasn't a whole lot of detail about the surrounding area, but sh her impeccable descriptions about kind of the beasts and like the taming um, rituals that they the characters had to go through. I, I just thought that um, she could have given us a whole lot more in terms of writing style than she actually ended up with. Um, and quality of storytelling. I love this story. I'm going to give it a four. And I'm only giving it a four because there are questions that I want answered in subsequent <coughs> books. And if they are answered in subsequent books, I would revert this to a five. I thoroughly enjoyed this story. It was new. It was refreshing. It had instances of fae adjacent immortals that I really thought were unique. And I enjoyed every moment. So I would assume you recommend? I would recommend, yes. Excellent. Wholeheartedly. So Liz, what is your spice rating? Um, so I, I listed it as a two, but it's really like a two and a half. And only because it wasn't... It was so romantic and so nice that it didn't even strike me as spice. And that's not a negative thing for me. It just like, it wasn't even sp spice. It was just like warm and nice to read, even when it was like, we're blatantly having sex. Um, like, I, I wouldn't reach for it only because it's so sweet that it like, didn't get me going. You know what I mean? Like, it was just so nice. Yeah, yeah I get that. I get that a lot. <laughs> So uh, what about the writing style? I loved her writing style. Um, I did give it a four because similarly to Des, I like I would sit down and be like, okay, I'm going to read like 20 pages and like 100 pages la later and I 
didn't realize it happened. Um, there is a lot of tell and don't show, but it didn't bother me to the point that other books have. Um, and I do think that in the back of my mind that this was targeted to YA, maybe um, kind of skewed me to give it more of a higher rating. That makes sense. Um, and so finally, quality of storytelling. I think this is my favorite book that we've read thus far, um, honestly, in the life of Spice Traders, um, which is big because I've liked a lot of the books we've read. So I gave it high praise. High praise. I gave it a four. Um, I Similarly to you, like if my questions are answered later, this could easily be a five. Um, mm-hmm. rating books on a star rating, like it, it's, it's like a four and a half stars. Like it's almost yeah. perfect, but not quite. Um, yeah. so, and you would recommend it then? Definitely would recommend three out of three spice traders recommend. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, so we did it guys. We made it through this hefty boy. <laughs> um, those are our thoughts. King of Exiles by Maxine Martineau. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Let us know what you think. You can find us on the socials um, on Instagram at Spice Traders Pod. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.